What's going on, fellow A-plusers? It's your host, as always, Adam Perez, back once again for another episode of A-plus Hero Report, your weekly stop for your Marvel, DC, television, and movie news, streaming live for you guys over on YouTube, Facebook, as well as Twitter today. I decided to go ahead and certainly change it up a little bit for you guys. Um, so thank you very much, each and every one of you, for certainly joining us here today, this lovely Sunday afternoon, wherever you guys are certainly at, as we're set to go ahead and wrap up our week before we head into the Mondays uh, and really go over some of the hottest topics that have, in fact, dropped today. Uh, so we're going to be going through six topics for you guys that we thought were pretty interesting to certainly talk about this week, along with a couple honorable mentions, some topics that didn't quite make the cut, but we soul deserve uh, felt you deserve to certainly know about it and of course we're going to be getting into your guys's live viewer questions today if you have not submitted your live viewer question over feel free to please go ahead and do so check out our youtube page go over to our channel click on that community tab and there is in fact a live viewer question post for you guys so you can go ahead and drop your question and of course we'll get to you guys's questions at the end of our episode along with that we definitely have a spotify account guys if you love your audible or your uh, audio podcast, um, definitely go ahead and check it out. There is a link in the description box below for you guys. After we drop all of our episodes on our YouTube page, we definitely will be posting them over on our Spotify channel for you guys to certainly check out. Just in case if you're on the run, need something to listen to, and you want to hear my handsome, lovely voice once again, uh, you guys definitely have some audio versions for you guys. Um, but uh, should be a great weekend, a great show for you guys. we got a ton, certainly, that we're going to be getting into some DCE you talk some marvel talk and uh some tom mcfarlane on the docket as well but it's not just myself bringing you guys the news today we got good old Stuart branscombe in the house what's going on buddy good to see you man hey good to see you too how's uh how's your sunday treating you so far man uh so far it's uh for the uh 35 minutes i've been awake for this sunday <laughs> so far not bad well, I'm glad you're up, man, up and about and ready to go. I've been uh, I've been trying to keep up with my fantasy football this morning. We actually got an early start because I think they're doing some uh, football games out in London today. They had some early games last week, and because they're starting out in London, they started like 8 a.m. here in the States, man. So like, I, I barely remember these games are even on. Let me tell you, though, with that jacket, you look like it's more than just fantasy football. You look like you own a football team and you're trying to make sure you get the exact uh, players that you're trying to get during the draft. <laughs> hey, man, it's all about the stats, that money ball. You know what I'm saying? Um, but uh, yeah, no, I wish maybe one day I'll own, me, own, own myself a football team or just create my own my own football team. Uh, Ooh, but we'll that see. would be sick. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. But uh, thank you guys so much for certainly joining us. Hopefully your guys' football or fantasy football Sundays are certainly going well. Stuart, are you big into sports at all? Uh, you know, it's it's like uh, I'll watch it when it's on, but I don't really keep up with it, you know. That's right. That's right. Uh, that's right, because I was thinking we got to get you a – you have a Chargers shirt? Somewhere in my uh, closet. It's not like an official Chargers jersey, but like it's uh, one that I had from back when I did Pop Warner because we were the, <laughs> you know, right. Chargers. <laughs> that's right. I do remember thinking you were going to be a 49ers fan, but you proved me wrong on that one. That's right. Hey, I, I love the 49ers too. Like 49ers, Raiders, and Chargers. Those are my three teams that I go for. Well, because they're all in the same state as you. So you're just home, home, hometown for everybody. I guess so. Everyone except for the Rams, which are also California, but like, I don't know. I've never cared about them. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I understand, man. They just won the Super Bowl, man. Yeah, that is true. They have. 
Uh, who do we got here today with us? We got good old Enrique in the house. Uh, we got good old Blossom certainly joining us. Uh, Ram Jam is certainly here with us this morning. Uh, we got good old Rerum trading in the house. What's up, Rerum? Appreciate you coming through. And uh, Indy is certainly joining us here today as well. Not able to be with us in person, but he's here with us in spirit, uh, as I'm assuming he's uh, stuck working today. But hopefully we'll definitely be having Indy back here within the next couple of weeks, guys. Um, so I guess no, I don't think I don't think I've ever heard this one before. I'm the first one to say first. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's I never heard that one before either. Um, let's see here. Do you happen to have any honorable mentions to kick off today's show or any recommendations for the theaters right now? Uh, recommendations. I got one and it's one that I'm sure that, uh, you've already seen now, but, uh, werewolf by night is freaking amazing. And I think everyone needs to check this out. And I really hope Marvel does more of these in the future. Like not necessarily like they have to be uh, hol holiday specials, but I would love to see like kind of just more short films from like some of their more obscure, like catalogs that like not a lot of people know about anymore. Squirrel Girl, no? Yeah, yeah, why not? That should be their next short. You know, give someone to do like a uh, 40, 50 minute short, it'd be perfect. I um believe it or not, I have not watched Werewolf by Night yet. Uh it is on really? me and the girlfriend's list. Yeah, we spent um we spent yesterday watching Thor Love and Thunder finally. Nice. Finally got around to it, um, which I actually enjoyed the film. I actually had a fun time watching it. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and then we watched Rings of Power yesterday, uh, which was a great freaking episode. Um, and then I fell asleep watching Extreme Rules. Not because it was bad, but it was just because it was late. So I just couldn't finish watching my wrestling last night. So I'll probably will finish that. And Werewolf by Night is, uh, is uh, on our list for next things to watch after uh after extreme rules make sure you watch it at night and make sure the lights are all turned off because i feel like that's how you gotta watch it yeah it feels like it's a, a whole like just tone and atmosphere about it that i gotta really get ready for so i definitely do think that's something that we'll check out uh, later on this evening but we were we almost watched it yesterday but uh i was like nah babe let's get through some of this other stuff first i was like at least thor because i, I want to at least be caught up in in order with everything that's going on so uh so yeah uh, I'm, I'm eager for werewolf by night though it looks great i've been hearing great things about it Let's see here. Um, some honorable mentions for you guys. Uh, what else do we have this weekend? Um, oh, Madam Web. Madam Web is back in the news, uh, Stuart. You know, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago, you know, we kind of discussed uh, some of the potential details uh, of the Madam Web movie that Sony was going to be working on. And pr some promising stuff, Stuart. I, I, I thought that we kind of walked away thinking. I think it was the idea that we might be introduced to Peter's mom and father um in the sense that maybe her um, was it mary parker that she might in fact be pregnant with peter parker um and we've got somebody that's potentially hunting down hunting her down in order to kill peter parker before he's sort of even born if you will uh and in order to protect him, they need several different spider women from across the Spider-Verse to certainly go ahead and help him out. Um, pretty promising script, if you well, pretty promising concept, if you ask me. Whether or not Sony can pull off the script, we'll definitely see. But we definitely had some set photos 
released today, uh, released this past week, which I thought were pretty fascinating here. This is from uh, JustJared.com. They, again, they do a great job when it comes to set photos as we have the main villain up here. I believe this is maybe a stunt actor for Dakota Johnson, if I'm not mistaken, also. Um, and it looks like they are having some sort of fight on a bridge. I believe, I can't remember the, the other character's name that this is, um, something Celeste. Uh, I can't remember. I believe she might be a um, she's a spider girl herself, if I'm not mistaken. It looks like they're definitely going to be having some sort of fight uh, on top of this bridge. I'm wondering which, where this bridge is located in New York or which type of bridge that it is. Uh, but, yeah, we got our very first look here as you get to see one spider girl trying to take on uh, the villain here. while another spider woman is in peril, Stuart. Um, what do you think about some of these set photos, man? uh looks pretty cool uh kind of uh i'm kind of intrigued by the fact that like both the uh heroes in this uh case are actually just wearing uh street clothes i really like that ah, costume yes. design that our villains wearing um yeah I also i know it's like because the photos are like it's really hard to make out the face but uh yeah it, it's kind of weird he kind of looks like aaron taylor johnson so there was yeah so i was like kind of thinking wait is that supposed to be craven <laughs> yeah i thought that was craven too i was like wait a minute is that aaron taylor johnson uh but no i don't believe it. i believe that's just everybody's stunt double but yeah he definitely looks like aaron taylor johnson for sure um yeah i am a little bit bummed that some of these characters are just in street clothes i mean look leave it up to sony to be like yeah hey, we don't need costumes like, no, I, I, I want to see costumes in here. Uh, but again, we don't know if this is the climactic battle uh, or when this particular fight certainly takes place. Uh, but yeah, we definitely have a big uh, fight piece that's certainly happening in the Madam Web movie. But uh, those are just some uh, new set photos we wind up getting this week. It's weird, though, because looking at the bridge, like the color looks like the Golden Gate Bridge, but that pattern is definitely not the Golden Gate Bridge. So I can't think of I'm not sure. Are there any bridges in New York that are red? I'm not, I saw I've been trying to think of, but I, I can't play, I can't place any off the top of my head unless they just change like the color scheme, but it's been forever since I've lived in New York. Um, but I just, uh, even as a kid growing up, I just don't recall any red bridges like that, that might've like crossed the Hudson or anything like that. So, um, I don't know, maybe, it, maybe it's just a different paint job. Maybe they'll create it in post or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, who else wind up joining us here for our our show? We got good old Datilla in the house with us today. Uh, and Dino Knights, fight for your rights. What's up, man? Uh, he says that uh, David Yost just posted his first onset pick for the 30th anniversary. Can you look that up for me, Stuart? Ooh, yes, yes, uh, I can. David Yost posting his first onset pick for the 30th anniversary. And if you can download it, see if you can uh, throw it up there also. Um, what else do this? What else do we at. end up getting this week? Um, oh, Tales of the Jedi is set to drop uh, August 20th, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is a six-episode short, if I'm not mistaken, uh, animated series. Tales of the Jedi gets to uh, focus a little bit more on the origins of Ahsoka along with Count Dooku. The Count Dooku stuff, I'm really fascinated in. I know um, Ahsoka is a lot of people's favorite character or really has become people's favorite character if you kind of grew up with the prequels. Uh, and always a fascinating lineage for her to certainly continue to learn about. But for me, Count Dooku, uh, along with um, just his upbringing, um, seeing his place in the Order, his training of Qui-Gon, all of that stuff is like super fascinating to me. Uh, I can't wait to see that explored. So I think that's October. I said October 30th, but I think that says October 26th. Um, let me see if I can get you the correct 
uh release date for that let me um just google that real quick here um tales of the jedi release date just to double check october 26 i'm sorry it's kind of small on my screen so october 26 is tales of the jedi so go ahead and certainly mark your calendars um i think we got a couple more episodes left of andor which i'm continuing to love this series as well i think we've got some just amazing television on right now Stuart. if you ask me with house of dragon ranks of power Andor, um she hulk getting to go ahead and culminate in one more episode next week um i think we've been having i think we've been spoiled man when it comes to tv right now Especially this last week, because uh, what we got from She-Hulk, it's probably my favorite She-Hulk episode. Yeah. Uh, what we got from Andor probably has some of the best like written dialogue I think I've ever seen in Star Wars. Like, period. Um, yeah, it, it's been it's been a great week. And then, of course, you know, like I said earlier, where Werewolf by Night. You know, we mm -hmm. we have been extremely spoiled with uh, content this this like uh, past few uh, uh, past few weeks for sure. Yeah, and it definitely has not been bad at all. Um, speaking of She-Hulk, yeah, they did just release the brand new um, character poster for Daredevil. Um, I really love this mustard and uh, ketchup color combination, man. I really, uh, I'm really digging it. Uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I certainly, I certainly wouldn't mind if they did go back to um, the all red or heck, give me the black and red suit too. But um, considering the fact that they went very classic um, Daredevil with this design, um, I, I love this. And I, I got to admit, um, this is this is a great poster first and foremost, but I, I absolutely loved his cameo um, in She-Hulk. It wasn't even a cameo. I mean, he had a role. I mean, this was very much solidifying Matt Murdock in the MCU. Uh, and I couldn't have thought of a better introduction. I mean, look, you know, definitely a lot more lighthearted than I think people um, would have thought seeing Daredevil back. But very true to nature, I would say, from the She-Hulk at least episode with the amazing action sequence. You would have thought they brought the person back that did the Daredevil series to do the action piece. Um, but just being able to see like the human side of of uh, Matt Murdock and see the the light levity that he can bring and that flirtatiousness that he kind of has to him that I feel like we've seen you know, his charm for sure in the past Daredevil series, but this was definitely kicked up a notch and the chemistry between him and Jennifer is unmistakable, bro. Like I absolutely mm -hmm. love seeing them on screen together, but what did you think about uh, Matt Murdock coming back? Oh, I freaking loved it. Uh, I thought uh, one thing that was so cool is that he felt like uh, the same Matt Murdock from the Netflix show, just in a much better place in his life. Uh, mm. So, you know, we got to see that more, which we've seen in the Netflix Daredevil uh, show. People have been pointing out because of all the people saying, oh, why'd they make Daredevil so like jokey in this? He wasn't like yeah, that in the Netflix show, but it's like, yeah, he was. Yeah, he uh, was. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's just that we see more of it here because, you know, he's not in a dark place. He's helping out, right. you know, a client from a dude who's dressed as a frog so it's like of course there's going to be jokes there you know because he's not handling some guy who's like you know four times everyone's size and you know un ungodly strong he's not handling like a dude like that anymore so of course he's going to be able to make jokes um but i loved it uh and yeah i thought i thought uh the chemistry between the two of them was amazing and it's like man if only they lived in the same city because they would make <laughs> such a happy couple. But for now, they have that kind of good friends with benefit kind of thing going for them. So good for both of them, honestly. 
Yeah, man, it was a combination I didn't know I needed until I actually saw them, especially when I, you see them in the courtroom face to face, you know, uh, going, you know, back and forth sort of thing. It's like, damn, they can keep up with each other. Like, this is this is pretty good stuff. Like when 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 they say this is a lawyer show, like it's definitely a lawyer show, but it definitely has uh, its fun times in it for sure. Also, my girlfriend loved this episode, man. She she even appreciated Daredevil's walk of shame. At the end. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> my, my girlfriend same thing because she loves the uh netflix uh, daredevil show so she loved uh you know like me i we both loved seeing uh daredevil back and uh yeah man you know here's the thing that a lot of people are worried about is uh, with daredevil being mcuified essentially people are worried that you know daredevil reborn is going to feel watered down here's the here's my thing as long as we got charlie cox we, he's shown us now that he can make it work. Uh, so even if it's more watered down than the Netflix show, I think as long as we got Charlie Cox as Daredevil, it's going to work. Yeah, I think so too. I think he he knows the character well enough and can certainly balance out the lightheartedness with the darkness. But I do think that this, it just goes to show, a I don't want to say a completely different side of him, but definitely opens up the other side of him a little bit more. And I think that's just the tone of what this series is i think once we get into daredevil born again it'll probably have its own different aesthetics and darker atmosphere and things like that but you know nothing wrong with being able to sprinkle in or at least know that there is some range within matt murdoch's personality that he can go to this point if he absolutely needs to and it just opens up the doors now for me like are we gonna see jennifer in the upcoming daredevil series right like at this point i'm like electra who um but uh, we'll see we'll see how it how it turns out but i thought it was a great uh, appearance for daredevil one last thing i'll say about the matter uh before the episode aired i remember uh my thoughts were oh i'm asking for too much but it would be so cool if we could have a jen versus matt murdoch scene in court and then a, <laughs> and then a uh, daredevil versus she hulk actual fight apparently that wasn't too much to ask for because we got both of them and they were both really well done yeah they heard you Stuart. they're like let's yeah. give this man what he wants exactly marvel was like oh this guy doesn't think we can do it okay <laughs> yeah rewrite episode eight right now right now <laughs> um great stuff man great stuff um what else we got honorable mention wise oh oh you did find um, it nice yeah. winter vibes good old david yost on the set of power rangers getting ready for the 30th anniversary special or maybe his mmpr special who certainly knows but uh, david yost is certainly there um so good Definitely stuff man it's cold wherever he's at because of that jacket <laughs> yeah absolutely um yeah Catherine sutherland was wearing uh the same jacket as hunter deno which i think the illuminati did a, a, a article this past week um also highlighting the idea of steve cardenas and Catherine sutherland going to be in new zealand so um it's an interesting core of characters we got uh billy is blue zach is black uh i would assume steve cardenas is red uh and Catherine is pink and I'm assuming um, Charlie Kirsch, who we reported her here last week about being Yen, I would assume she might be yellow as well. Uh, so we got all the colors there for classic MMPR if we uh, get the team together. So uh, we'll see how the 30th anniversary special and season certainly goes. But uh, that's a cool pick of uh, David Yost on set. Very cool. Thanks for finding yeah. that, Stuart. 
Um, and then last but not least, Titans. Titans season four is back in the news. You know, we had uh, New York Comic Con this week, uh, and I believe they actually revealed uh, either a trailer or a couple of first clips um, for Titans season four. And in doing so, they also released um, images of our villains for season four. Uh, and let's go through some of them. We got Brother Blood, our very first look at Brother Blood here. Um, I'm actually really fond of this costume design Stuart. i there's a part of me that kind of wish it was it was more red to it like a more classic comic book but um outside of that i mean even the mask and stuff looks pretty detailed um i'm really loving the design but we got brother blood here we also got jinx here as well um that's a pretty cool design i'm not too familiar with the jinx character though personally i don't know if she's part of brother blood's faction or or not or just another villain in general um but we also have mother mayhem here as well and i think mother mayhem is with um brother brother blood if i'm not mistaken also so um uh yeah we got our villains being showcased here any of them really pop out to you Stuart? uh brother blood mostly because uh well the first line of uh, comic books like I ever remember buying were the uh, Jeff Johns run of uh, Teen Titans. And oh, okay. so Brother Blood, I think Teen Titans issue 12 was specifically the first one I picked up, which in retrospect was duh, because that was the fourth part of a, you know, basically four parter. So I basically picked up the tail end. and But it was a good thing because it made me want to go backwards. And then it made me, you know, just inter it just that was my door into comic books altogether. So that all being said, I really love this uh, look with uh, Brother Blood. And uh, same with Jeans. Uh, again, with her, uh, I'm not as familiar with her because uh, she was in the Teen Titans cartoon, but she looked very different. I don't remember i'm sure she was in some teen titans comic books that i've uh uh that Thank i've you, uh, read but like i just don't remember what she looked like in them and i'm trying to uh but yeah you know mother mayhem also looks pretty awesome uh i'm very curious if they're gonna do like the storyline where like they have mother mayhem kind of like take over raven uh and then it and then she becomes kind of the new mother mayhem for like uh... a small period of time but yeah i think uh everything i'm seeing so far looks really cool the brother blood thing, I, I think my first response was this looks way too comic book accurate to be in Titans. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was like, is this for a CW show or something? But uh, yeah, man, they, I thought they did pretty good with that costume. It's pretty, um, pretty damn uh, terrifying. I, there's another mm -hmm. picture of him without the mask on, too, I think with his hood or his cloak down as well. But um, I, I'm really loving it again. You know, my biggest concern and worry is just I mean, look, they presented me with three new villains here and we also got lex luther in this series and i'm like okay so four villains for titan season four even though um like uh, blossom says that yeah jinx is part of uh brother may uh, brother bloods group up brother mayhem brother bloods group um so it looks like they're they will all clearly be working pretty close uh alongside one another again i just hope that there is some um some balance there uh and i would be okay look because that you know i feel like there's usually two um protag excuse me two antagonists sometimes or they usually have like a first and second half to this season like i i wouldn't mind if they have lex luther as like the villain for connor's side of the story and maybe brother blood for the raven side of the story here i, I think you can maybe balance it out well but we'll see how titans handle it handles it this season yeah what I, what i think they might do is um I feel like Lex Luthor might just be a setup for season five and that might be it. I, 
if they if they do it right because i feel like the the brother blood stuff there's so much you could write about with that character um you know and i really hope they don't do the same thing that they did with uh, slade wilson where there's so much more story they could have done mm. with him but they kill him off like you know after just one season uh with brother blood i kind of hope they utilize him at the very least i hope they utilize him the whole season and then maybe at the end they use lex luther to set up like a the um you know a, a new villain arc for uh, season five yeah i hope that's the case too i really do hope that they handle these characters pretty well and balance them out because um that's the last thing that we need is for them to be um uh what was that noise i was wondering <laughs> i was like what, what was that noise coming from my living room um but yeah it's uh should be good times though we'll see how it comes along and I, i'm looking forward to when they actually drop the trailer itself for titan season four hopefully they'll drop it soon if they haven't already i thought there was a clip that they released over on twitter but i think i might have missed out on that clip briefly i think it was like um uh nightwing and uh tim drake i think they were on a mission together but i don't think tim drake was in his costume i don't think he's got his robin costume yet yeah, it's pretty much just Tim Drake kind of standing back while Nightwing uh, fights a bunch of uh, ninjas on the ninjas. In, in like a building. Yeah, but um, it's only like twenty four seconds. Oh, okay. So it's a suit. Oh man, I thought it was like a little bit longer than that. All right. Well, once we get more details for Titans, we'll definitely keep you guys posted. But I think that will do it for our honorable mentions today. Uh, so thank you very much, guys, for your patience. And uh, yeah, if you haven't submitted your live viewer question in yet, feel free to please go ahead and do so. Um, Stuart, are you ready to get into some main topics with me today, man? Always. Let's go ahead and crush this, man. We got a couple of great topics and great discussions that we're going to be getting into. A lot that I'm really, um, really eager to go ahead and talk with you guys about today. And we'll kick off with DC because as you guys saw at the very top of our video or at the thumbnail itself, uh, good old Dwayne The Rock Johnson and believe it or not, Henry Cavill are certainly back in the news as we are inching ever so closely to the release of Black Adam. I think we're like weeks away from it, honestly. Uh, I can't wait for this movie to certainly uh, drop if you haven't gotten your tickets please go ahead and do so i believe tickets are on sale right Stuart? are tickets on sale now um i'm actually not sure uh i'll, I'll double check, check that out. right now um, but um, Dwayne Rock Johnson and uh, Henry Cavill are certainly back in the news because there's been a lot of reports going around lately um, that we may, in fact, be having ourselves a Henry Cavill return as Superman. Um, we've been kind of hesitant um, to either confirm or deny that over the past several weeks, but it seems as though talks are continuing um, to rise here as we get closer. Uh, more and more reports are certainly talking about it. I don't know if it, people got the opportunity to maybe see the movie already or whatever the case may be but we might be in store for like a post-credit sort of um, appearance of Henry Cavill again I don't necessarily know if that's been confirmed fully or not or by like super trusted sources but um, it is pretty fascinating that it's not just reports that are saying this but it seems as though Dwayne The Rock Johnson Stewart is actually teasing uh, the possible return of Superman uh, being in this particular movie or at least coming back to the DCEU for those of if you don't know i believe dwayne the rock johnson and henry cavill um are already close friends and i also believe that they share the same agent if i'm not mistaken Stuart. so uh, they definitely have some connective tissues so if there is anybody that can certainly bring henry cavill back to dc uh it wouldn't surprise me if it was in fact the, the rock so let's go ahead and dive into this article uh we got two articles when it comes to this topic that we're going to be discussing with you guys today because uh, comicbookresources.com 
does hint at the idea that Dwayne Johnson continues to tease Superman cameo in Black Adam. Um, Dwayne Rock Johnson continues to tease the appearance of Henry Cavill's Superman, uh, which is now just weeks away from its release. In an Instagram post discussing Black Adam's theme, composed by Lorne Balf, um, Johnson said, and you know what? Um, instead of hearing what he said, I'll go ahead and actually play it for you guys so you guys can actually hear it from um the rock's mouth yourself uh let me go ahead and whoops i thought i sorry about that guys uh this is uh from the flash movie updates this is from the rock's instagram page says the rock is teasing superman and you can easily tell that he is excited let the hype train for black adam begin i just saw the movie again he said he just saw the movie last again. night. I can't wait for you guys to see Black Adam. He is the most powerful. There's the third act. He is the most powerful and unstoppable force on this planet. On this planet. Hey, don't wink at me like that. Don't wink at me like that. He's hinting at something, Stuart. He's hinting at something here. Um, what do you take by these words from uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson? That face was just the face of, mm, I want to tell you, but I can't. <laughs> yeah. And so it's less about what he said. It's more about how he said how it. How he said and it. And Dwayne Johnson is a professional. He knows how to like really uh, get people riled up. So there's no way that wasn't scripted. That Those face movements that he did of like, you know, acting like he had something he really wanted to tell us, but he didn't. There's no way that wasn't scripted. So I feel like, yeah, there, there's definitely going to be a cameo that fans are going to get excited for, whether it's in the third act or the post-credit scene, whether it's going to be like more than a minute or it's like going to be, you know, a surprisingly big chunk of the movie that somehow they were able to hide from marketing. I do think that Henry Cavill will have a, a role of some sort in Black Adam. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I am fascinated when he says something along the lines of like, he's the strongest on this planet. Do you think he's insisting that like Black Adam takes place on like a different multiverse or like a different earth at all? No, I think it's, um, I think it's the same earth, but I think when he says this planet, it's like, he means like in like the the strongest like born on the planet and i guess with uh superman technically being not being krypton i get yeah oh, i think okay. that's what he's referring to i guess but, but maybe you're right this like because birthright. um in the comic books uh the jsa you know originally in the silver age of comic books the jsa did take place on another earth so if this was like a separate earth where we never had the justice league we only had the jsa um then that would also make a lot of sense too yeah, I don't know if it is on another Earth or not. Um, but when he says not on this planet, th those were the two things that I came up with, Stuart, was either he means that Black Adam in this movie isn't taking place on, on the Earth that we know when it comes to DCEU, so that's why he's the the strongest on this planet. But I also think 
you might be right in that regards. And that's the other way that I took it was, well, you know, Black Adam, maybe because he was born on this particular planet. So he's the strongest here. But technically, Kal-El is from Krypton. He's not from this particular planet. So maybe that's what he's kind of referring to as like where you were born and your lineage sort of thing. Um, regardless if, if it's true or not, I could definitely see both cases. But um, uh, I, I love the sound of this, man. I'll leave it up to Dwayne Rock Johnson to have some sort of teases. And honestly, I've checked out the um, the Black Adam soundtrack or at least that particular theme. It sounds great. It sounds great. Like I, I never I never sleep on DC's themes for their superheroes. I feel like they've got some pretty memorable ones and some pretty fantastic ones. A lot more, honestly, if you ask me, than compared to that of, of Marvel. I've always felt Marvel uh, has lacked when it comes to composition. I think there's maybe like one or two themes that are, that truly have stuck with me. But DC's always been brilliant with it. And just hearing um, the score for Black Adam really does get me excited. I mean, even before you know Dwayne says what he says in this um, this video, he also mentions the idea that he uses this music for his like um workout music to get him pumped and hyped and i absolutely love it like i can literally see why uh because it's got some amazing crescendos and some incredible moments uh but the fact that he's talking a little bit about the third act in here uh how you're really gonna see um you know black adam come to life with just these incredible abilities and powers and things like that i cannot wait to kind of see how this movie unfolds uh but also some post-credit sequences i I definitely do believe um, that if, if The Rock is certainly teasing it, uh, that there's definitely more to come when it comes to this particular um, uh, particular movie. But that's not the only tease that we're getting here, guys, because it's not just coming from the voice of uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson himself. Uh, they also have a couple other reporters. Uh, this is coming to us from ComingSoon.net, says Dwayne Johnson fought for Henry Cavill to be in Black Adam. Um, it says, during a recent episode of Marvel Vision podcast, former editor-in-chief of Birth Movies uh, Death, uh, Devin Farachi, uh, revealed that not only is Ka uh, Cavill set to return as Superman in the film, but it's because Dwayne Johnson fighting so hard for him to do so. This is the quote. It says, yeah, it's not like specific. It's all behind the scenes stuff that I thought was kind of fascinating, which is which is that the reason why Henry Cavill has returned as Superman and Black Adam is because The Rock demanded it, is what he says, demanded it. It's not like he asked nicely. It says, like, he went hard, full court press on Warner Brothers and made them go to Henry Cavill, and they had uh, to sign a new deal for Henry Cavill, including saying that they were going to develop a new Superman movie, and it was all because The Rock insisted. Um, that's pretty crazy to, to know that the rock has sort of, um, that level of power around Warner brothers, but would you believe, do you believe this report Stuart? And what do you take away from it? Um, if Superman ends up being in the movie, then I will hundred percent, uh, believe this report because yeah, I do think that if any actor has that kind of power, it's Dwayne Johnson. Uh, I mean, cause not only does he own his own, like, you know, kind of production company, not only does he basically have so many, you know, followers on the internet, essentially, you know, he's just also like, you know, 
an actor that everyone he's like the most demand uh, actor ever so i feel like someone like him all he has to do is say hmm you know i hear marvel's looking for a new actor to play the thing so uh you know and then warner brothers will be like oh okay fine we'll put superman in the movie okay <laughs> i feel like that's sometimes all it takes oh you're muted Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've been trying to fan cast Dwayne Rock Johnson as the thing for the past year now, it feels like. So uh, any leverage he can hang above Warner Brothers Discovery's head. Like, hey, if you don't make this happen, I'll, I'll walk. And look, right now, you know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, I feel is like, I, I don't know if there's many people in Hollywood that are a bigger draw than Dwayne The Rock Johnson right now. Like, I do think his name carries a lot of popularity and fame. And whatever he's attached to, I think people are naturally going to go ahead and certainly check out. So, um, you know, if you've got Rock, who is um, extremely devoted to this Black Adam character, I mean, damn, it took us years to get to this point of this movie even happening. So you want to talk about just the focus uh, to make sure that this certainly gets done. That's definitely the Rock and the fact that he's had Warner Brothers back in regards to helping them put this movie together and be such a big part of it. You know, it's it's practically like his movie. So whatever he wants to be in this movie, you almost got to give it to him, if you will. But, you know, um, when you think of The Rock, you think of success. And I just think it would be idiotic for Warner Brothers to ignore the biggest star and their main star of this movie to not see it happen. And it's not like he doesn't have... Um, um, receipts from fans that have been begging for the return of Henry Cavill, right? I mean, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson's always been that person that wants to give back to the fans, that loves to listen and hear from the fans themselves. And this is what the fans have been asking for is, please, can we have Henry Cavill back as Superman? While some people may not have loved everything that Zack Snyder certainly created with his vision for the Justice League and the rest of the DCEU, one of the su successful aspects of it was Superman, played by Henry Cavill and we, a lot of people still think he's got plenty more in the tank uh, it, he got robbed of not having a Man of Steel 2 let it certainly happen and so um, you know if The Rock is demanding it Warner Brothers you gotta listen you gotta listen um, and so I, I'm really hoping that that is in fact the case and it sounds like it's not even the case of just coming back for Black Adam but maybe actually even making a movie uh, a second movie or a Man of Steel 2 as well. So it seems as though like Dwayne Rock Johnson is single-handedly trying to save the DCEU uh, as best as he possibly can. And with the returning Henry Cavill, possibly with Ben Affleck returning as Bruce Wayne and Aquaman 2, we got ourselves a, uh, a Wonder Woman 3 that's still in development. I believe Patty Jenkins this week just talked about continuing to write the script for wonder woman three um and then we've got the flash uh the flashpoint movie next year as well we still got a lot of the Zack snyder heads still in here um and i think one of the things we've always talked about Stuart, was it's okay to keep these actors around even if warner brothers discovery is allergic to moving on with the snyderverse you can still keep these actors and have their portrayals as these characters but still create new storylines and a new direction for the cinematic universe to go without fully embracing the bigger vision maybe that Zack Snyder wind up having. And I do think that this is just putting the pieces in place, at least for something like that to happen. But uh, what do you think here, Stuart? 
Yeah, I mean, I fully agree. And uh, even kind of, I'll even take back something I kind of said a while ago. Like, I, I, I was one of the people kind of insisting that Ben Affleck is pretty much done with Batman at this point. But now kind of seeing a little bit of him coming back here and there, especially in like the new Aquaman sequel coming up. Uh, I, I think that there's a good chance Ben Affleck might be interested in it if Warner Brothers is smart about it. If they don't try to like put all the weight on him, if they don't try to have him lead the cinematic universe, now that they have someone like Dwayne The Rock Johnson to take that weight off of Ben Affleck, they could theoretically just use Ben Affleck for um, any Justice League or any movies that aren't like solo Batman movies. Therefore, it's like he doesn't have that pressure of, you know, being Batman or like the pressure of like having to like, you know, handle your own movie while doing the uh, crossovers as well. Uh, because they can just let Robert Pattinson do the solo Batman movies and then give the, you know, the more DCEU Batman movies to uh, um, Ben Affleck. Like, I think if that's the direction they wanted to go in, it could work. And and I wouldn't even pull it out of the realm of possibility, Stuart, you know, since I, I don't even know what they're going to be doing with Michael Keaton kind of going forward. But I wouldn't mind the idea of, you know, people have been asking and begging for a Batman Beyond movie for years. I think some of us were hoping maybe that person would be Michael Keaton as an older aged Batman to bring that person in. But maybe it's the Ben Affleck. Uh, version of of Batman at some point in time that we see him under the cape and cowl a couple more times and then maybe he winds up bringing somebody in but it definitely seems as though when it comes to the rock him being forceful about bringing uh Henry Cavill Superman in uh, I do think might single-handedly really kind of refocus Warner Brothers discovery in regards to just conceptually what they want to maybe do with their DCEU and it seems as though when he says you know Black Adam being in here is really going to change the hierarchy of power when it comes to DC it might just be also from just an idea and script uh, point of view creatively uh, of also really changing the DCEU and um, fixing the course that it, it needs to go on so a lot of good stuff here definitely um but yeah guys go ahead and let us know your thoughts um how do you feel about a potential henry cavill return do you expect to see him in the movie uh as a cameo do you expect to see him just in the uh post credit what would you assume Stuart? um i'm gonna assume very end like tail end of act three or post credit scene i i don't think he'll be like a big prominent role in the movie personally I hope I'm wrong. Like, if he ends up being like, uh, if it ends up being like the JSA fails, and so Superman's like the only one who can take him down, I will be so freaking happy. But I don't think it's going to go that direction. <laughs> Call him backup. Um, and I guess too, you know, I, you know, I was talking about the idea of it not on, being on a different Earth. You know, the fact that I think Amanda Waller pops back up in the trailer also maybe kind of. Um, um probably cancels that speculation and theory of mine maybe this is connected to the bigger world that we're a part of um, or it adds to it because then so? it brings up the question of you know if she has contact with the jsa where were they during peacemaker i feel like uh, you know, yeah, those true. are the kind of guys you would want to call for like the <laughs> butterflies and not you know peacemaker <laughs> yeah that's true because yeah, what the, the justice league sh showed up like super last minute right yeah <laughs> i thought that was pretty funny 
Um, but we'll see, man. I will say this. This definitely I was already fascinated and intrigued in checking out Black Adam, like super hyped for it. But, you know, I absolutely love Henry Cavill as Superman. I, I, I still to this day think that Man of Steel is probably one of the more underrated superhero comic book movies out there. Um, I'm hoping that that is something that will certainly change over time as more people revisit it after so many years. Uh, I think it's probably one of my favorite DCEU movies and one that just honestly continues to get better and better for me if it's not henry cavill's portrayal as superman then it's han zimmer's superman score that just uh, emotionally does it for me just some amazing action pieces that i think for me as a superman fan i've always wanted to see on the big screen like i i, I had just gotten so tired of them grounding superman so much and like just seeing that human humanistic or human aspect of him and not really getting into the all you know the big all-out brawls and that's the type of stuff that i kind of have always wanted to see so i really appreciated man of steel for tackling not only the personality side of him but also giving us the big superman throwdowns that i absolutely love to see despite the damage that it caused metropolis that some people complained about all those years yeah i um i definitely would really like you know as a movie, I just don't think Man of Steel really ever, or it did when I first saw it. It's one of those movies where I saw it first time, loved it, but then every time I think about it, every time I rewatch it, it gets worse for me. But that all being said, one thing that does not get worse for me is Henry Cavill's overall performance as Superman. So the idea of him coming back to the DCAEU definitely gets me excited, and I would really like to see a solo Superman movie. Um Probably by a different director, though, which I know is possibly, <laughs> but you know, that's just that's just me, though. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing what somebody else's vision for Superman certainly would be. I think we got a ton of great creators out there that I do think would be doing something really fascinating. And there's plenty of a uh, story arc left for um, Henry Cavill's Superman, a lot more meat left on the bone, and I think should be pretty interesting to explore to have us get to the point of that sort of superhero boy scout that I think that we've all uh, recognized Superman as uh, from back in the day. So um, a lot of great potential here, guys. So we'll definitely continue to keep you posted. Uh, but definitely go ahead and check out Black Adam when it drops. You might have yourself a little Henry Cavill Superman surprise uh, within. So uh, definitely go ahead and check it out and let us know your thoughts uh, down below what you guys think about this as well. Um, what are you guys saying out there? Good old Frankie says, uh, hey, everybody, man, I hope that this is true. Can't see them stringing us along again after the Comic-Con letdown. Now, I do think that there is some... some um, some credibility to this man i'm not too familiar with the marvel vision podcast or who this um this particular leaker is but um uh, i'm really hoping that it turns out to be true also it just it sounds like such a believable story because of like you know how big of an influence dwayne johnson Rock has is. like on the dc yeah. and everything so you know it's one of those things where i won't be surprised really either way like if it ends up being true i'll be like oh that makes sense and if it ends up not being true i'll be like oh okay i'm not surprised and I just think it's one of those things that just feels like a, a such a big missed opportunity if you don't. You know what I mean? You don't really get these type of opportunities um, to pull the trigger on something so massive as, say, like a potential future Black Adam Superman Smackdown event uh, with The Rock and Henry Cavill going toe to toe with one another. I mean, that just sounds bananas. And I think something that the fans would truly love to see. So just don't, um, you know, don't don't take that opportunity away from the fans, I think. I uh, um one thing I we need in Peacemaker season two though we need uh Peacemaker claiming that he kicked Black Adam's ass <laughs> yeah that he did it also yeah I love yep. it because then he put he put Superman in the hospital right with the kryptonite bullet 
Oh, Wait, that was uh, blood, uh, oh, blood. Oh, blood shot. sport or blood sport. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it was. Okay, gotcha. Uh, Detail says, "Good thing the Rock laid the smackdown on those jabroni candy asses." Absolutely. Good old Marcelino in the house. Maybe Dwayne Johnson can use the status of power to make Batgirl get released. Nah, I don't think he could do that. I don't think. <laughs> I mean, I think he could. I just don't think he would want to. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he would want to use his power for that. Um, but uh, who knows? We'll see. We'll see. I hope it does see the the the. I, I hope it does get. We do get the opportunity for this movie to actually be released in some way or another or leaked. Um, I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but I would love to see the Batgirl movie, regardless of what it looks like. Um, all right, Stuart, I think with that out of the way, we will transition over to our next DC topic as we go from the movies to television. Um, as look, guys, I have pronounced our verse as dead officially as of last week. I think last time we talked about this, we were highlighting the flash season nine sort of being the end of the true hour verse, if you will. And I put my stamp in the ground. I said, look. This is a CW verse now. This ain't no damn Arrow verse anymore. We've lost Arrow. We've lost Supergirl. We've lost the Flash now. Uh, Superman and Lois ain't even on the damn same planet anymore as far as we know. There's just so many changes that are happening over to the CW. But I might have been speaking prematurely, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, this week, good old David Ramsey himself has actually given us an update on Justice U. That's right. You remember that Arrowverse series they talked about? Justice U, kind of like a bootleg Teen Titans ripoff, if you will, of John Diggle putting together a brand new group of potential teenager heroes. Justice U, ladies and gentlemen, is back in the news this week. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about it, Stuart, because apparently David Ramsey's like, look, man, I still got a job. Uh, I'm still working for Arrowverse. Um, so things are coming. He says, uh, this is the current status revealed. This is an update for you, Justice U fans out there. It says, according to TV Line, the CW's John Diggle-centered Arrowverse series, Justice U, is still moving forward with its development. Speaking with the outlet, David Ramsley revealed that the upcoming project is now on its second draft of script writing. He says, we're on the second draft of a script. We're just closed. We just closed the deal on a writer. Um, I'm not sure I can say her name, so I won't. So we do have a female writer on board, but we're very close to submitting our second draft. He says this is a surprise given the hour versus seemingly impending conclusion with the upcoming final season of The Flash, which is currently the only original hour show that's left on the network. Justice U will reportedly center around Diggle as he looks to recruit five young metahumans to go undercover as freshmen at a prestigious university. There he will oversee their education while also training them to become the next set of major superheroes. So it's almost like. It's almost like John Diggle is turning into uh, Jefferson Pierce, uh, like just he becoming a principal of his own university and school and shit and teaching these kids something like if that's the case, this is just this is just be Black Lightning season six. Stuart, what do you think about this, though? Uh, you know, it, it's an interesting setup, interesting premise. Um, I don't necessarily think it means that the Arrowverse is still going to live on because the, I think I don't know if they confirm this or not, but I think it's supposed to be the Diggle from Superman and Lois and not the Diggle from uh, the Arrowverse. But uh, that all being said, you know, 
It's an interesting premise. I'm not sure, like, they say he's going to be overseeing their education as well. So I'm kind of confused. Like, is he, like, himself also a teacher at this school or a principal at this school? And uh, if so, why does he need, like, five people undercover as freshmen to help him investigate when he's, like, already infiltrated the school itself? Oh, that's fascinating. Let me let me read that one more time. It says, um, to go undercover as freshman at a prestigious university, there he will oversee their education while also training them. Yeah, is he working for the university? Is he working for the prestigious university undercover also? Huh. Interesting. Yeah. And you brought, you brought up a, a concept I didn't even think about, the idea that this might not even be our Diggle from the Arrowverse, and this would be an even bigger insult to me as a fan that you don't even <laughs> give me David Ramsey, John Diggle from Arrowverse. You're just continuing to string me along thinking this is part of the Arrowverse, and in, re in reality, it's nowhere even close. Man, so I didn't even think about him being like the Superman and Lois John Diggle. I almost feel like that's a bigger uh, possibility of happening than anything. Yeah, uh, especially because it looks like they kind of set him up to have like a role in uh, season three of Superman and Lois. So, mm. yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, look, I, I will say in regards to this uh, article, look, I do love David Ramsey. I think David Ramsey is an incredible guy. I think he's a great actor. He uh, His his character is John Diggle uh, has been synonymous with uh, the Arrowverse. I've always loved his relationship with uh, Oliver Queen and just even from season one of Arrow, it's just amazing to see where David Ramsey has gone, not just as a character wise, but just everything that he does do for Warner Brothers and CW. I mean, he comes in and he directs also. He's directed not only episodes of Arrow, but multiple episodes of like Supergirl and The Flash, I think, if I'm not mistaken. He's been around, mm -hmm. right? Superman and Lois, he's done some work. So um, I am glad that he still has his opportunity with them. And he's certainly going to bring them to life. Look, I, I, I'm going to be honest. As, as much as I feel like, yes, the Arrowverse is completely done and, and, and it's kind of over with, uh, because I do enjoy the John Diggle character, I'm probably going to give this um, this a series, an opportunity, and a chance, especially to kind of see who the young metahumans certainly are. I do wonder if there are metahumans that we've seen from the comic books that are now getting sort of live action adaptations. Um, but I think my my excitement does get undercut, I do think, with just the status of where we are at in the Arrowverse. You know, um, I will have to see a lot more from Justice U. Like if they do give me sort of big connective pieces or connective tissues to other Arrowverse shows that we've seen in the past to kind of know that, hey, this is in fact taking place in the Arrowverse that we've come to know and love, then maybe my excitement level will, will be back in the sense of, oh my goodness, I can't believe what cameos we could potentially get out of this. Um, but I, I just don't have that sort of faith in it like I used to, especially when the CW is also releasing another series called Gotham Knights that doesn't look that incredibly appealing. A series that I do think that we'll certainly give a shot because we are Hero Report and we definitely do talk about these things. So we'll certainly give them an opportunity. But um, it just feels as though the wind has been taken from our sails a little bit, especially with the announcement of the Flash Season 9 being the last and there being so many changes that have definitely happened. So um, I'll definitely have to see this series first before I can fully get extremely excited for it. Uh, but listen, good on good on 
good on David Ramsey for certainly um, positioning himself within the CW and Warner Brothers uh, to where they still, you know, are giving him and allowing him fantastic opportunities. You know, I guess the bigger question to Stuart is with this series now taking its second draft, um, having officially landed a writer, um, I'm trying to remember if they've ever announced if this has been picked up and like ordered officially or if we still have to go through the whole pilot project because i do wonder like even though we're talking about this show and it's getting updates is there a potential that this series just doesn't even see the light of day um i i still think yeah there's a good chance we may not even see it um and it really all just comes down to the new CW management and uh, where they're at right now. Uh, the CWs to not like get a profit because it was meant to be like just a network for advertisements and nothing else. But now with the new owners, it's like now they need to make a profit. They need shows that'll make them money. And unfortunately, um, cheaper, you know, reality or game shows are, you know, what make a profit faster. And uh, so scripted television, especially expensive scripted television, uh, it's just a lot harder to make that, um, you know, make a profit out of that. It's easier if you already have it. So shows like, you know, um, the shows that are currently on, like the Winchester, Superman and Lois, uh, Walker, Texas Ranger, like it's easier to renew those shows because then it's not like you're spending that much more money to keep them going. But when you're starting a show from the ground up, that's really expensive to do. So I think like the stats of Just As You is really just going to depend on uh, how much debt the CW is by the time they're ready to uh, start shooting it. Um and uh, yeah, I think that's kind of going to be the main factor. Um, but like kind of going off of what you were saying about like kind of my overall excitement for Just As You, um, I'd say I'm kind of currently like in the middle of it because on the one hand, I'm excited to see David Ramsey finally get his own show. The guy deserves it because like you said, he's been around for so long, not just as an actor for the Arrowverse, but he's been around like as a director. And I think even like wanting to get into like, you know, producing now, because I think the contract that he signed with just as you was also to have him essentially just be a producer on the Arrowverse uh, oh. kind of going forward. But like my excitement for the show itself, I, I don't know. I think that really depends on which Diggle we're getting. And it depends on, you know, whether or not I end up liking the Diggle that we get in Superman and Lois season three. Because the thing is, we know nothing about him at all. Uh, we thought we did until like it was revealed that's not the Diggle we knew and loved from uh, the Arrowverse. And so it's kind of like, I always thought that that Diggle from the Arrowverse deserved his own show. He's been around for so long. He's developed, you know, he started out as just kind of a side character, but then like, became basically a big a big part of the Arrowverse going forward so i do think he deserves to have his own show to see where he's at right now but if that's not the diggle we're getting then i just i don't think i care as much as i would if it was the same diggle you know what i mean yeah no i definitely feel your pain there man uh absolutely in that regards and you know you do bring up an interesting thing too especially with the cw you know with them going forward and them maybe not um having the financial backing that they once did from a lot of these shows, you know, I would think that they would be a little bit more calculated, certainly in the shows that they are dropping. You know, one of the biggest things that always fascinated me, we got this report back in August about where the, what the CW's target audience is. 
I don't remember if you recall this, Stuart, but this article mentioned the idea that, you know, it says that this was from Screen Rant. It says the CW is currently the lowest rated broadcast network, which we believe largely reflects the fact that its programming is targeted to 18 to 35 year old audience demographic, which I think is the demographic most people try to uh, push towards. But the average age for the CW broadcast, Stuart, is 58 the average viewer of the CW is 58 years old, and yet they're pushing these 18 to 34 um, age type of shows and stuff. And so it does make me wonder if things like Gotham Knight or even this Justice You will end up being sort of financially um you know, financially prominent for the CW because they definitely are going to need it because I don't know if they're going to be still doing those type of deals that they used to. But I guess maybe if you've got your own, you, you know, your own streaming service now in um, Warner Warner Brothers, uh, excuse me, in HBO Max, I wonder if that's something they even worry about anymore. Yeah, I, I'm not too sure. I do know that with those numbers, though, um, it's a little weird because if you look at just the average, you're kind of like not getting the full picture because what it kind of comes down to is that from the time of, I think, 7 o'clock to like, you know, 12 o'clock uh, and only on, you know, certain days, that's when you get like us you know watching the cw gotcha. that's when you get us watching like you know all the comic book stuff all the scripted television all the teen dramas and kind of thing um but before that yeah it's all reruns and uh game shows and reality okay. shows and that's what attracts like kind of the older people and because even with that time slot uh most of us are just watching it online most of us aren't watching it on the cw network itself you know mm -hmm. um and you know when it comes to network television people like kind of you know older uh trying to say it without being like old people you know what i mean but like you know it is true though like you Adam. are the ones that like uh uh like keep up with uh network television a lot more because you know most people are just streaming stuff uh most of the younger people are just streaming stuff so it kind of the numbers do make sense when you look at it, it like sense. that you know what i mean yeah yeah you do you definitely do bring in a great perspective there i didn't even necessarily look at it that way but that certainly makes sense i am one of those old people because i do try and watch cw live like i actually do watch it on network television i don't have like a I, I i some i just can't wait like that extra day or two just to catch it on like the cw app or any other streaming service that it might certainly drop on but uh, no, i know i definitely do think you make a make a great point there um, but yeah, guys, let us know your thoughts in regards to Justice U. Now that we have the update that it is still in development, it is currently on its second script. Are you feeling uh, this is going to be a very promising series? Are you looking forward to it? Or uh, do you not really care for Justice U any longer? Uh, definitely let your thoughts be known in the live chat or the comment section box below. Uh, Marcelino, he does say um, maybe the metahumans are the super friends um ultimen uh wonder twins juice long shadow wind dragon and el dorado um i'm not i don't think i know any of those characters to be honest with you marcelino it's been a minute was, since uh was except for the super no, friends never mind. um but um yeah we'll see who these uh metahumans potentially certainly will be uh hopefully they'll reveal them sooner rather than later but uh, yeah guys let us know your thoughts in the comment section box below
Uh, and with that, guys, we will move over to our next topic as we dive into the world of MCU. I'm pretty sure this isn't a topic we discussed before, Stuart. I, I, I'm getting a little bit confused because I feel like we have recently talked about an Avengers film, and I believe that was Kang the Conqueror um, or Kang the Kang Dynasty, if I'm not mistaken. Um, over the past couple of weeks, they have been revealing to us who the creative teams behind some of these movies were going to be. I believe that they have officially announced for director for Avengers uh, 5, the Kang Dynasty. We got um, Destin Daniel Creighton from Shang-Chi. Uh, and we also got a writer that's coming in. I'm trying to remember the writer's name off the top of my head, Stuart, but I can't remember. Uh, I want to say it is somebody that we've recently have just been talking about. Uh, Rick and Morty guy, if I'm not mistaken. Jeff Loveness is his name. Yes, Jeff Loveness. I'm pretty sure that's his name. He's going to be writing the Kang Dynasty. Well, this past week, ladies and gentlemen, we wind up getting some information as to who the writer is going to be for the upcoming Avengers Secret Wars. That's right. From Avengers 5 to Avengers 6, they're not pulling any punches here as we finally get revealed to the writer for uh, that upcoming film. Let's go ahead and dive into it. This comes to us from good old Deadline. This is a name that I've been telling you guys uh, you should take note of ever since we uh, got the Loki series. Um, he impressed uh, many, even in his work with it comes to uh, Doctor Strange as well. But uh, according to Deadline, Michael Waldron has in fact been tapped to pen the upcoming installment for Marvel Studios, Avengers Secret Wars. Uh, we've been pushing his name forever. I've, if, with, whether it's on Facebook, anytime we post an article about Michael Waldron in any way, um, we've been talking about it here on YouTube for quite some time, that Michael Waldron is a name you should certainly be paying attention to. Coming off of Rick and Morty, he did an amazing job when it comes to Loki season one. I think a lot of us were really impressed with. Um, he also handled the crazy multiverse of Doctor Strange 2. Well, maybe certainly not a perfect film. Certainly a quite enjoyable one as he works side by side with Kevin Feige and Sam Raimi there. And he's now officially been tapped to do Avengers Secret Wars. And if I'm not mistaken, I do believe Michael Waldron has been tapped by Kevin Feige to be the, the writer of his upcoming Star Wars movie that he certainly has in the works as well. So Kevin Feige truly trusts and loves the work of Michael Waldron to continue to give him these big events. And if you ask me out of Doctor Strange, out of his work on Loki, very well deserved. And again, Stuart, I think we go back to the idea here of, hey, man, um, Rick and Morty. Phase Rick and Morty is what this should, this should be the Rick and Morty saga of the MCU as uh, Jessica Gao, Jeff Loveness and Michael Waldron have really been tapped to sort of um, put the MCU in this particular direction. But just to go into the deadline article, it says following the success of Loki and Doctor Strange, Waldron looks to be in line for another high profile Marvel property as sources tell deadline that he is set to write Secret Wars. Deadline recently broke that Jeff Loveness uh, was on board to write Avengers Kang Dynasty. Uh, it says insiders add that Secret Wars will have its own director. 
though it's assumed all parties will be in touch while the films are in development. So um, again, they still haven't announced the director for Secret Wars, but this definitely implies that these creative teams for both of the Avenger films will definitely be keeping in touch uh, to make sure all the connective pieces certainly uh, fall into place. It says insiders say meetings for the job took place last month, and while a number of writers met, many believe Waldron was the front runner given how much trust the studio has in the writer. Uh, Waldron has been on a roll with the studio during the past year, starting last this last year's Loki series. He served as an executive producer and showrunner on this series, which was so popular it became one of, of a few Marvel series to receive a second season renewal. Um, yeah, man. Um, so, yeah, everything that we just kind of talked about here. What are your thoughts in here, Stuart? Um, it feels as though my prophecy of paying attention to Michael Waldron has come true. Um, he's tapped to be the writer of Secret Wars. How have you liked his work so far and you think he deserves it? Well, my first thoughts about this whole thing and before I even get, any, get into his writing skills, I just got to say, man, that mustache, he looks like he's trying to cosplay as Henry Cavill when he was yes. in uh, – um, Oh, God. Oh, Mission Impossible. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. That's a great one. <laughs> uh, that all being said, yes, I freaking loved uh, Loki. Like you said, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, um, kind of like with Man of Steel, like I brought up before. You know, my first time watching it in theaters, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that was so cool. But it's uh, one of those movies where you think back on it a little bit and you kind of realize, oh, yeah, actually, this probably wasn't so great. I think I might have gotten caught up in all the, uh, the fan service that the movie got us. But I still do like it. It's not a bad movie, though. Uh, but that all being said, he knows how to handle the multiverse. He knows how to handle alternate timelines. And given the direction that Marvel's going with this new phase, how like the multiverse is a big part of it, and Secret Wars is supposed to be like this big climax uh, to that big multiverse saga, I do think uh, having this guy kind of handle the writing aspect of it was actually a pretty good idea. Ooh, my bad, forgot about the banner. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I, I do... Uh, yeah, I, I do think he's a good person to, or he's like a good choice when it comes to uh, writing Secret War. So I, I'm excited. Uh, I am still very curious who they're going to get to direct it. But I think as the writing, as far as the writing goes, I currently have no worries. Uh, you're muted. Yeah, like you, I'm not necessarily worried about the um, the writing either. I do think that is certainly in good hands. And I, I do think you make a great point when you are dealing with a series like um, like Secret Wars uh, and exactly what it's going to be tackling. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're talking about like just a massive crossover, I feel like, of just a ton of different characters, whether it be from different worlds, whether we're going to be dealing with incursions and trying to stop them or having to face other worlds or being thrusted into this gigantic battle world and creating a whole new like just scenario and multiverse and whatever. I have no idea what Secret Wars is going to turn out to be, but if it's as crazy as the comic book event series, whether that be from the 60s or 70s, whatever whatever year it was, or the Jonathan Hickman run that we just recently got a few years back sort of thing, um, there's so much potential here. And if there is anybody that can handle the storytellings of the chaoticness of a multiverse, it is that of Michael Waldron. And honestly, anybody from Rick and Morty uh, over the years can really tap into that quite successfully and have uh, some, 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 a lot of fun. So I do think that he is certainly the man for the job. Uh, and again, I think I'm going to be even more fascinated to see who they get to be their director. Um, I'm still pushing for Ryan Coogler. I really want to see Ryan Coogler um, do an Avengers film. 
Um, you know, I, I think based off of his work that we might get here in Wakanda forever and just the uphill battle that he's had to climb and trying to put this movie together without Bozeman, I do wonder if um, if that alone has earned him the right for like, hey, we're going to give you this opportunity to go ahead and make an Avengers freaking movie because you're excellent, Ryan Coogler, and whatever you touch. So I uh, looked, I'm sure there's plenty of other people out there that might be on that short list at some point in time, but considering how 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 much they filled in the blanks for these creative teams, Stuart. I, it wouldn't surprise me if we get the, the director of secret wars announced within the next two weeks tops. What do you think? You think it'll be, it, they'll let us know pretty soon. If it's a uh, Ryan Coogler. No, I think they're going to wait until wait. after the release of uh, Wakanda forever because they want to wait to, you know, they, they want to wait uh, for the hype to really go up for that movie. And then after, you know, seeing how good the movie performs, then that's when they want to make the big announcement. Oh, you liked Wakanda forever. Well, guess what? That same director is going to be doing secret wars. Yeah, you might be right. I think that would be even a better way to, to go ahead and make the announcement. Maybe like a week or so after um, black Panther winds up being released. If it, if it, if it gets the feedback that I think they're hoping that it certainly does, that would be an amazing uh, announcement for them to make. So, well, we'll see guys, but we'll definitely keep you posted as a creative team for um, Avengers secret war comes, comes together. Um, but I do think they've got themselves a pretty solid team. And again, I love the fact that they are uh, both creative teams will definitely be keeping in contact with one another as um, they develop both these films. So I I'm assuming they lead into each other pretty well. Um, very similar to probably how Endgame and Infinity War did. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, guys, let us know your thoughts. What do you think of Michael Waldron's work now that you've had an opportunity to kind of step back, check out Doctor Strange 2 and Loki for yourself? Are you eager to see what he's able to do with an Avengers movie? Let us know your thoughts in the live chat or the comment section box below. Uh, and with that, guys, that will wrap up our Marvel and DC talk. So we're going to dive into some movie talk for you guys today. And this is kind of still on the superhero side of things, Stuart, and one that I'm actually really excited to get into because it's been a minute since we've had an update in regards to the Spawn movie by good old Todd McFarlane. Uh, now, I'm not talking about the uh, the J. Well, I'm not talking about the classic uh, Spawn movie, not even the animated series. Uh, we are going to begin ourselves a new updated spawn movie here hopefully relatively soon uh it's been quite some time since this particular project was in development it's kind of hit a little bit of a bump in the road development hell some people would even say um as it's been a while since todd mcfarlane announced the idea that he wanted to go ahead and tackle a brand new spawn movie he actually does have somebody set to go ahead and play spawn as jamie fox has been set for the lead role for quite some time and continues after all these years to be very supportive of Todd McFarlane and the development of this movie, wanting this movie to happen. And uh, if there's any opportunity and time for Spawn to really tap into its fullest potential, Stuart, I think now is certainly the right time. So we've got some great updates for you guys, especially in regards to the writing side of things. And the directing side of things, uh, as Todd McFarlane was recently over at New York City Comic Con, and he had a great sit-down conversation with ComicBook.com, uh, and he gave us some amazing um, updates. So let's go ahead and dive into this tour and seeing how the Spawn movie is coming together. Um, let's see here. It says Todd McFarlane's law. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, um, 
Let's see here. It says Tom McFarlane's long gestating Spawn movie is headed back to the script stage. Um, the uh, Image Comic co-founder today announced that he has tapped writers Scott Silver and Mal Malcolm Spellman to bring in a script. The movie, which is expected to be an R-rated outing that leans harder into the horror elements of Spawn than its superhero bits, has been in one form or another for development for years, with McFarlane wanting to develop a movie that works on a low enough budget that the studio will roll the dice on letting the comic veteran direct. This is what he says. Scott Silver brings some of the Joker cachet to the table then. Uh, the movie was one of the biggest rated R movies of all time with a truly massive box office take and an armful of awards and nominations to boot. This is what Tom McFarlane says. He says, Scott Silver. I mean, most people can't even name three directors, but what do you do is, but what you do is you tell them their accomplishments. So it's like Scott Silver, the Joker writer, right? And so what important that to me at least personally is that that's an r-rated movie that did not only extremely well but it set records both just for an r-rated movie level not just a superhero comic book level but r-rated period so it's like adding him means you can say hey if we want to get dark and sophisticated We'll see where it all lands, but there's people that can do that. And some of that other stuff like The Fighter and 8 Mile, those are dramas, adult dramas. So I think Spawn lives in adult drama land. So before we move on to the Stuart, I just want to pick your brain in regards to how he's referring to Scott Silver here. He's looking at the success of that of, of um, good old joker three with joaquin phoenix by todd phillips and sees the success that that movie has i guess when i look at this Stuart, it, it shows me how serious he really is about this movie that he's not just trying to make a superhero movie for the hell of it that he does have some intentions of clearly making this a hard r film and really adding some levels of drama and sophistication to it to where it might even reach that level of the Joker. Not to ask you, do you think that's possible, but how do you like his mindset in regards to how he wants to tackle this? Uh, yeah, I absolutely love the fact that he's taking this project very seriously. And I'm glad that he seemingly wants to, uh, because, okay, so I'm looking at his IMDb page because I was like wondering the whole time, like, wait, has he directed anything in the past? And, uh, nope. and he has done six oh, has music he? videos, oh, um, okay. uh, each for like uh a uh, pretty different uh decent variety of different uh bands like ozzy osbourne uh corn uh pearl jam so um you know he so he kind of has directing experience but i do think him stepping down and having someone else like kind of take over that is probably a smart idea and the fact that you know it seems like he's so committed to the script to making sure that is perfect before even getting to that point is also uh a pretty uh in the yeah like having the uh, joker writer you're kind of like joining him with it i think is uh pretty cool um as for if it's going to be as good as he wants it to be or as, as good as he's trying to get it to be it's hard to say but I do think there is potential there with the Spawn character and just with the overall tragic backstory that he has. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely have some some pretty decent high hopes for this movie going forward. 
Uh, yeah, so do I. Um, I. I do have high hopes for this. I do think that there is certainly, uh, I, like, I like the mindset that he's in in regards to really wanting other people to take this movie as seriously as he certainly is. And I do think Scott Silver is certainly the first step in doing that. You know, like, I, while I'm not expecting a Spawn movie to make a billion dollars like the Joker did, I mean, the Joker is just on a completely different level in the sense of who he is as a character as far as like the general public like everybody knows the joker and i do think while a lot of people should certainly know who spawn is after so many years the joker i still think definitely has a much bigger name but if you are tapping somebody like scott silver who did the joker I do think that's really appealing and very inviting for other studios to be like, okay, so Todd is really taking this kind of seriously uh, and not just um, thinking he's he's here to kind of play around. So I, I do appreciate that about um, uh, about this development here. But he also did mention somebody else from this article. It says, so what, meanwhile, some of the pop action stuff that could make their trailer look sharp and the movie appealing outside of the hardcore geek circle comes from Spellman, who has worked not just on Empire, but on uh, Bel Air and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, as a writer of color, he also brings a perspective to Al Simmons', Simmons life that McFarlane and Silver cannot. He says, Tom McFarlane says, Malcolm brings another easy of excitement level to at least the geeks in that you get to save the Falcon and the Winter Soldier um, and uh, Captain America New World Order coming up. So they're like going, oh, my God, another sort of superhero geek guy, right? So you've got basically a DC guy and a Marvel guy, and they're both coming, and they're both doing projects hopefully that people enjoy, have enjoyed, and enjoyed. And then Malcolm had a hand in Empire and stuff, so you got very important voice to add to that mix. He says, you know, I originally wrote a script, and the debate internally was – I don't know, this white Canadian Todd, should he be the guy writing the story for this character? Or should we be more respectful of what it is we're trying to accomplish here? So we kept constantly talking about what's the team? What's the whole team that will help take us there? So I'm hoping that um, that the whole becomes better than the sum of its parts and that people will get excited that everybody's bringing their own pedigree to the table, whether it's Jason Blum or Jamie Foxx or whoever on top of it. I hope that the people will be at least curious, excited, and hopefully the day we get to show off our first trailer, people will find that entertaining enough to want to go on opening weekend. So there's the goal. And I got to say, I do think it's a great combination here. And I, I also just want to congratulate um, Todd McFarlane for also, um, I don't want to say addressing the elephant in the room or anything, but just being aware, uh, being more aware than anything. And this is coming from the guy who 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 originally wrote the character, right, who literally created Al Simmons himself, a, a, a black um, vet, if I'm not mistaken, who winds up. Uh, getting killed and things like that. And so the fact that Todd McFarlane created this character and even years later, he's now saying, I even wonder if I'm the guy that's right to even write this script um, in, in regards to understanding where we've kind of come as a culture and as a people or society. And addressing the idea that, hey, you know, if I've got a black lead in my movie, not to say that, you know, the 
a black leads can't have white writers or white directors, but the idea that he's at least aware of that question enough um, to bring in somebody that does have that perspective, uh, I think is a, is a win if you ask me for Todd McFarlane and just a really great insight into his personality and who he is as a person. Um, so I do think that's pretty eye opening that he wants to get somebody that has not only the perspective but also has that superhero comic book flair and then also balancing that out that out extremely well with somebody like scott silver i think it's a, a great combination um to certainly see take place and one that if you ask me if i'm a studio that has to give you money to develop a film and you bring both of these writers to me uh i, I definitely will be paying i would definitely would be paying attention Stuart, would you yeah. And I think like the biggest thing too, is that he brought him on, not just because, you know, it's like, oh, we need a person of color to like help us write this character, but also because like this guy that they brought on also knows what he's talking about when it comes to comic books. He knows what he's doing. He's written for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and he's going to be writing for the upcoming uh, Captain America 4. So the combination of all those things, is, and, and you know, like, like you even mentioned before, we got someone from DC. Now we got someone from Marvel. And then of course, you know, Spawn, I believe Spawn was Dark Horse. Am I right? Right uh, image image comics image image okay so yeah the fact that we got like one of three major you know uh companies uh comic book companies i think is going to make for such an incredible uh combination when the overall script kind of comes forward and yeah the fact that he's getting someone that's gonna like you know have a better perspective you know it's gonna help the, the movie feel a lot more uh genuine you know less like yeah. you know someone trying someone who can't relate to others trying to pretend like they can and it's gonna actually add that layer of rate relatability you know what i mean yeah and i think you i think you nailed it with the calling it genuine uh, I, I absolutely agree with you there uh, and i do think that's that's definitely important because you definitely not only got to hit that get that atmosphere and aesthetics right for it when it comes to the tone but you definitely have to not only get into the drama but just the personal life of al simmons uh his work his wife um you know just the idea of losing all that sort of thing uh, i do think he's got some really great writers to go ahead and uh, help him out through this so i think this is a great update for the spawn movie uh this makes me feel even more confident that while you've got somebody like todd mcfarland that's probably already wrote in the script knows what he wants but he's getting other people to come in and really kind of tighten it up and create this movie that he certainly wants uh i i do think that he's uh he's got two people uh really great there to certainly go ahead and support him so i think great first step if you ask me and you can't make a movie without a director. Uh, it takes two to certainly say the least. In this case, maybe three because you need he, he clearly has his two writers and one director here. Um, so let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the directing side of things, because one of the biggest issues that I've always had or one of my biggest worries, Stuart, when it comes to the direction for the Spawn movie was the idea of Todd McFarlane wanting to direct it. Uh, I've been very vocal about the idea that like, look, Todd, I, I, I get it, man. This is your baby. You know what I'm saying? Spawn is your baby. You certainly want it done right, but it's extremely difficult for somebody to ask a studio for money to do a movie when they've never directed a movie in their life. And directing the movie is vastly different from that of um, a music video or whatever the case certainly may be. So that has always had me worried, Stuart, is the idea of him directing. So let's talk a little bit about it and see what he is saying um, when it comes to whether who he has for the director so let's go ahead and dive into this uh this is also from comicbook.com 
Uh, let me let this load here. Todd McFarlane reveals how Spawn movie changed and if he's directing. Um, let's see here. He says, I've been up on stage going, I'm going to write. He says, I'm going to write, produce, direct, uh, direct in it. He says, I've been pushing that on Jamie, and he's sort of in that world. The writers want to do something different. Let's leave it at that, is what McFarlane told Comic Book. He says, they don't want to repeat. Uh, nobody wants to do a $20 million special effects extravaganza. That's not what Spawn is to any of us. Uh, he says, conceived by McFarlane as a lower-budget supernatural thriller, the comic book artist and writer says Spawn will remain a smaller-scale story, more Joker than Avengers. He says, we want to do something that obviously is entertaining, is visually interesting to look at, but hopefully leaves you with something when you walk away. You can go, wow, that was a little bit deeper than I thought it was going to be. The goal is to start a franchise, not just a Spawn movie, is what McFarlane explain but start a franchise so that we have multiple movies coming right behind it that will eventually lead into the expansion of a spawn universe so there it is Stuart. that is the ultimate goal of good old todd mcfarlane he says screw the idea of um you know this bigger budget scale uh, action film we want this to be lower budgeted but we also have the intention of making a franchise and listen it's Stuart, if there's any franchise that is big enough to do this it is definitely spawn so when you hear this uh what do you what's your initial thoughts when you hear this um well there uh i'm trying to find it right now because i totally forgot the uh name of it oh here it is there there was another uh certain studio that tried to do something very similar where it's like a uh, another cinematic universe of superheroes but not with not quite with the budget of uh marvel it, and it didn't wor really work out so well for him but it was uh for uh vin diesel when they started uh oh, the yeah bloodshot uh you know oh, yeah <laughs> didn't work out too well because unfortunately you know, much like most cinematic universes, um, the goal off way too many times seems to be let's get that first movie done out of the way just so we can use it to set up like all these other movies going forward and how we're going to build like a full universe from it. That said, it doesn't sound like that's what they're doing with this movie. Um, you know, the fact that like after he's written his first draft, he's already getting other writers in, he's getting another director in, uh, you know, even though this was all supposed to be his own, you know, passion project. Now he's kind of seeing that it may not work out that way, but that's okay. We can still make it work by bringing in a team. Uh, you know, I think, I think there's actually potential for this cinematic universe to take off if that's the direction they decide to go in. Uh, mostly because again, they're focusing on just getting this first one right they're not focusing on what they're going to bring to the table in the future uh they're not focusing on the setups you know going forward they're just focusing on making sure this movie is done right yeah i definitely agree uh, i i love the idea that he at least has that bigger vision in mind for this world um because i honestly have loved just the um, the characters that Todd McFarlane has certainly created uh, over the years. And so to kind of see that finally be brought to life uh, is, is pretty exciting stuff, man. And so I really hope that um, um, this movie does so extremely well that we eventually do get ourselves um, a, a, a much bigger franchise.
has to certainly come out of this. But it is interesting to kind of see him talk a little bit about the idea that that's his overall plan is to eventually hopefully make a franchise out of this. But everybody wants a franchise, right? So let's see mm-hmm. how the first one goes, and then we'll certainly go from there. Um, but he also says... As for how hands-on McFarlane will be after handing over the script to new writers, the producer said, part of the conversation I have I have to have with them whenever anybody comes on board is me giving them as much sort of freedom as possible, right? Because what fun is it to say you got to come in and you got to do it this way? So they've got some ideas that are really, I think, really compelling, strong ideas for film that may not be tracking 100% with a specific issue of a comic book. Um, He says, ask if he'll stay on as director. This is what he said. He says, here's the cold, hard reality. If you're asking Todd personally, hell yeah. (laughs) But if you're asking Todd, the CEO, I now have to be practical and I have to say, if you're going to have all these A-list people jumping on board and then you're going to go to a studio and ask for a lot of money to kickstart this thing, is everyone going to want to put all of that into a first-time film director? Damn, he literally took the words out of my mouth, Stuart, in regards to what my biggest worry was of all time. And he he, he makes sense of that. He says, according to uh, McFarlane, the answer is no. Instead, McFarlane will likely hand off the directing duties to a more experienced filmmaker to package with the film's high-profile stars and writing. He says, as a CEO, my answer would be no. I'm not investing all that money, and you're going to put a rookie in that chair. The reality of it is, if we get to that big moment, and I think we're going to get there, I'm going to probably have to take a step back on that. Guys, I get it. There's too much at risk to have a rookie here. I become the weak link at that point. My goal at that point would be to get another A-list director. So then the entire package, actors writing, everything is A-list. So when we get into the studios to sell it, it becomes a much easier yes. Um, And look, I'm so glad that he's gotten to that point. Honestly, like... It feels like it's literally taken this man three years, Stuart, to come to this fruition. Like, I don't I don't blame the guy because Spawn is his baby. I mean, this man literally has surpassed like 200, 300 fucking issues of Spawn. I mean, it's unlike anything that I've ever seen. So I get the idea that having to hand off the reins for somebody else to take care of your child is probably the most nerve wracking thing. But considering how much Todd McFarlane knows of the business, whether that be movies, toys, whatever the case may be, he understands the worry that having a first time director on board certainly is like when it comes to Kevin Feige and Marvel, like I feel like they have just earned themselves that right to bring on a lot of these newcomers or people from TV. Hey, you're you were you did a TV show one time. I'm going to give you a blockbuster movie to do, right? Like nobody does nobody does that unless you're Kevin Feige because he's earned that. But the idea of coming in front of a studio and asking for money when you've never written a movie before, when you've never directed a movie before is de- extremely difficult. So I'm so glad that Todd McFarlane has come around to that realization. And I do think that he is in a much better position now than what he was three years ago. And I'm so glad that everything is certainly lining up for him. Who he gets 
gets to be the director for this movie, I don't know. But as much as I love Todd McFarlane, I'm so glad it's definitely not going to be him. No disrespect to the man, but I I really am so glad that he has the mindset to get somebody that knows what they're doing in that chair to create this movie. Uh, And I'm I'm here for it, man. I'm, I'm so glad that he's making these right decisions. Now, if you had to choose a director for this uh, upcoming Spawn movie, oh do you have one in God. mind? Uh, Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. See, that sounds awesome, but that honestly <laughs> sounds too awesome. Like, I don't – I feel like if we're kind of keeping this in the lower budget kind of range, maybe not. But yeah, I'd be know. interested – Who do you I'd got? Be, you have somebody in mind? Yeah. I'd be interested to see if the dude that did Barbarian would be interested in Oh, this. interesting. Okay. I haven't uh, seen it yet. Oh, okay. I, I'd recommend seeing it. I think you would really enjoy it. Uh, again, much like Werewolf by Night, make sure you're watching it, you know, with the lights turned off. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the only way I plan on doing it. Barbarian. Okay, I'll check it out. I know it is still in theater, so I'm definitely going to have to check it out. I don't know who I would pick, though, but um, it, that might be a, a pretty good one. Uh, if you guys have any ideas as to who you would certainly pick as a director uh, for a Spawn movie, definitely go ahead and let me know your guys' thoughts in the comment section box below. Um, but, like, I, I just I, – I'm really excited to see how they bring Spawn – to life like visually i want to see like just some of these shots from the comic books of like uh, a, a spawn that's like hidden in the shadows of some alleyway sitting on like his uh thorn of trash you know um with like little creatures and the rodents from the underworld or whatever running around him, like just kind of covered in a little bit of shadow, a little bit of moonlight highlighting, like just a crazy cape that he certainly has and things like that. Like visually, I think this could be really stunning and really menacing at the same time. Um, but if he, like you said, he's got some amazing writers that I think will hopefully uh, bring the rest of that world to life, man. But it, it, I, I think he might have something here, man. I'm, I'm really pumped for this. Something that gets lost a lot in uh, comic book media is uh, the suspense to seeing that character that we're looking forward to seeing, you know, the build up to it. So I really hope you're right about that. Like they really build up like, you know, him either coming out of the shadows or just, you know, we get a little bit of teases here and there, like whether or not it'd be like, you know, uh, goons getting beat up in an alley. And then we see him like kind of slowly, slowly emerge from the shadows after that. Just something, something along those lines is what I really want to see. Yeah, and it definitely doesn't have to be a big, like he mentioned, a big uh, visual, um, you know, something bombastic and huge. Uh, I mean, you can really keep a lot of your budget for like the last act of the film if you want to mm-hmm. and really keep the rest of it just dark and mysterious. And I don't think anybody would be upset with that. I think that's just definitely a spawn comic book. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm used to the brooding and the reminiscing of his life and the revenge that he wants to enact. I think there's a lot of great stuff that you can definitely have fun with. Um, Marcelino says if Spawn does well, it would be the first franchise to be uh, R rated franchise. We'll see. The Joker is about to have a second film also. Uh, So, like, I wonder if we're going to get ourselves a trilogy for (laughs) the Joker at some point in time. If The second one certainly does well as well. But I'm agree with you, uh, Marcelino. I I really do hope that uh, this movie does well. Yeah. Uh, Dino Knight says, I saw the original Spawn movie on Netflix months ago, and it was horrible. I had no idea what I was watching. It was an early version of Deadpool meets Crow. Um, I'm trying to remember. I remember uh, John Leguizamo being being in it as the clown. Um, I'm trying to remember. Was it um, 
J was it Michael J. White, I think was um that played Spawn. He went on to become Bronze Tiger, I think, over in uh Arrowverse and some other stuff. But I believe it was Michael J. White. If I'm incorrect, let me know um okay. in the comment section box below, guys. But um uh, yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a minute since I've seen that film. The animated series, the Spawn animated series they had on HBO years ago was pretty great. Uh, I was definitely way too young to have watched that series, but I used to watch it all the time when my grandmother was asleep. <laughs> I used to, um, yeah, it's so funny because like the Spawn comic books was like my introduction to how violent comic books could be because I remember, you know, I was really into DC at the time. So I'd be like reading something and or like I think it was specifically like the comic book I brought up a, a couple weeks ago from Teen Titans where it was Connor Kent, like, you know, turning into Lex Luthor and, you know, there'd be like bits of blood coming out of people as he'd be punching them. And I'd be like, ooh, you know, my, my younger self was like, ooh, check out how violent this was. And then I had a friend on the bus who was like uh dude that's like nothing and he showed me a spawn comic book and like one of the panels is a dude literally getting his head ripped off with like the trail of blood leaving like to where the head started i'm like oh my god i didn't know comic books could get this way this is so cool i want more <laughs> yeah welcome welcome to image comics man uh image comics was great back in the day i um you know speaking of directors for this movie i was just thinking um i you know, I think anybody that does horror would certainly be a great pickup for this. I was just thinking maybe even James Wan, if that's even a way Ooh, to go. Yeah. He loves uh, he loves his horror depictions, and he's definitely tapped into the comic book aspect of things. I think he could certainly bring his own flair to a spawn um, in the sense of not making it too bombastic. But he, he knows how to draw it back in. I mean, if you've seen like the Conjuring movies and stuff, you know, like you you know what he's capable of certainly tapping into. And I, I think we might have mentioned this. I don't know if we mentioned this for a spawn movie in the past, but I think you might have thrown out the name uh, Scott Derrickson. I would also be open Ooh, yeah. for Scott Derrickson and um uh in regards to that not from his like doctor strange stuff but more of his uh sinister uh aspect uh was it sinister that he did I believe yeah it was sinister um I, I would love to see him maybe tackle something like that but yeah i do think a horror film person a horror director would would be great three reasons uh james wan would work he's done comic book movies He's done horror and he's done low budget movies before, like before he was like big, you know, his, his big movie was saw, which was like an extremely low budget movie. Uh, when it, you know, a lot I didn't of people realized that was him. Yeah. I think, uh, let me double check on that, but I'm pretty sure he was the one that did the original saw movie. So it's like, you know, he, he's worked with all the three things that they need in this uh, director. So it's like, I think James Wan might actually be the perfect uh, director for this. But let me double check on the saw thing because I thought it was him that did that. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, he back directed it back in 2004. That's crazy because that's like my favorite. That's my favorite of the saw movies. So the yeah. fact that James Wan did that, man. Yeah. So put those two names out there for me, uh, James Wan or even Scott Derrickson uh, for a Spawn movie. Um, we'll see who they wind up getting, but I do think Tom McFarlane is certainly headed in the right direction here, Stuart. Um, but yeah, guys, let me know your thoughts. Uh, what do you guys think of Todd McFarlane here? Um, uh, are are his ideas of the writer and director pretty eye opening for you guys? Are you glad to see he's in the, the going headed the right direction? And is this a movie you even personally want to see? Let your thoughts be known in the live chat or the comment section box below. Um, and we got two more topics. Oh, Alexander, what's up, Alexander? Have you guys seen the movie Super starring Rain Wilson? Uh, it was so much fun and violent. Kevin Bacon was the bad guy. It was like Denzel's equalizer movie with superpowers. That's pretty cool. I have not seen that. That sounds cool. I, 
I, I, I brought this up to kind of like point out something funny about this movie. Uh, so it came out around the same time as uh, Kick-Ass and both of them had the similar premise, which yes. is like, what if like, you know, people tried to be superheroes, but in the real world, um, I'd say that super handled that better because okay. for one, you would have to be insane to actually try it. And the main <laughs> character in this movie is clearly like insane. Uh, and two, like they actually kind of commit to the grounded nature of it because there's never like a jetpack scene at the end. There's never like uh. that unrealistic superhero fight in the movie. It actually kind of commits a lot more to like just being grounded and realistic. Uh, I think defender also does, does that, but I haven't seen that movie yet, but it is on my list. <laughs> when you said kick it i think i remember maybe seeing a poster for super before but i don't think i've ever seen a trailer or anything like that for it but um i'll have to give it a shot i'll have to give it a shot i uh, appreciate the recommendation by james gunn oh really yeah damn okay i'll have to check it out then i do let me some james gunn so thank you for the uh suggestion alexander i appreciate it man uh, let's see here. We got two more topics um, that we're going to dive into for you guys today. The next one, we're actually going to get back into our Planet of the Apes bag. Um, last week, uh, we talked about the um, the actress from The Witcher um, seasons one and two being cast as one of the main leads for the upcoming Planet of the Apes film titled Kingdom of the planet of the apes that is set to go ahead and take place years after the planet of the apes trilogy that we wind up getting so it feels very much still set in that franchise world just vastly years later as we're now getting into the kingdom of the planet of the apes and so i find it fascinating that we're continuing to get more casting announcements um as we get closer to this film going into development here um, but uh, this article actually comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter as we do have ourselves a new um, casting announcement. And um, Power Ranger fans, Jessica Jones fans will certainly remember this name um, as we've got um, good old um, – let me go ahead and pull this up here from Hollywood Reporter – good old uh, Ika Darville certainly um set to go ahead and be a part of this franchise this is a uh, exclusive report from the hollywood reporter uh it says they casted jessica jones actor ika darville uh west ball is directing the next installment of the 20th century franchise uh ika darville is journeying to the kingdom of the planet of the apes the actor is the latest to join the 20th century franchise which will take place many years after war for the planet of the apes um it says uh, details for darvel's character are currently unknown uh yeah and it was last week we talked about freya allen uh joining the project itself um it does say darvel appeared in the marvel and netflix series jessica jones as a private investigator malcolm Ducasi opposite of Kristen Ritter. Uh, it's just unfortunate they don't have his time uh, from Power Rangers RPM on here. Don't be don't be ashamed of it, Hollywood Reporter. <laughs> don't be ashamed of it. It's okay. He had to get a start from somewhere. Um, so uh, Power Ranger fans rejoice. Jessica fans, Jessica Jones fans rejoice. Ika Darville is getting another fantastic opportunity here to be a part of an incredible franchise. I just thought it'd be pretty cool to highlight another accomplishment for Ika Darville after uh, his time on Power Rangers and Jessica Jones, which Jessica Jones story, you know, for me, I necessarily wasn't the biggest fan of the series. Um, I didn't, you know, season one, I didn't mind so much. I was a really big fan of... Um, uh, of the villain played by David Tennant. Um, you know, Kristen Ritter certainly did her thing as Jessica Jones. But for me, you know, Jessica Jones character 
just wasn't that appealing. Like she just wasn't a likable enough character for me. Like I get that she's probably not meant to be likable. She definitely has her own personality and quirks about her that some people will really be big fans of. But for me, uh, I just really could not connect with her as a character just she just kind of rubbed me the wrong way and so i was just wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of the series but it was fantastic to see Ika darvel in that show uh and certainly what he was capable of uh bringing to it as well uh and i would love to see him in more things so i think this is a, a great addition for him here but uh, what do you think about this casting news Oh, great casting. I, uh, yeah, I love him in Jessica Jones. I think he was amazing in that. Of course, Power Rangers RPM. He is probably one of my all-time favorite Red Rangers in all of Power Rangers. So, you know, he's a perfect actor, and I think he's going to do really well for Planet of the Apes. And now seeing how, uh, uh, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on the assumption currently that they're not looking for voice actors, that they're looking for actors' actors. Uh, so I'm kind of uh, currently wondering because we know that everyone on earth has kind of become stupid. So now I'm kind of thinking yes, my theory, stupid. well, you know what I mean? They, they, they literally, yeah, there's like that thing that oh, we're gone. So now, yeah. so now I'm thinking that what probably happened was probably going to happen now is I feel like we're going to get him. And then a couple other actors actually playing the astronauts that were kind of uh, briefly mentioned in the uh, first uh, Planet of the apes uh, movies. Uh, uh, was, I forgot what the first one was called. It wasn't right. So it was uh, no, John of the oh um damn I can't remember what was the first one okay oh, rise way, like, rise, I, I, rise of the planet rise of the planet of the apes yeah so either way I think he's gonna be playing like one of the astronauts and uh, we might essentially be getting a remake uh, this time around with uh, of Planet of the Apes but told in this new uh, universe that's uh that's kind of the direction I think they might might be going with it but if that is the direction they go with it then I think they got a really good cast going for them. Yeah, that's something that we talked about when Freya, when we talked about the Freya Allen casting was, you know, are they are they going to be humans in this, you know, because considering that this is far away from War of the Planet of the Apes, that's one of the questions we had was, are they just being cast to be voice actors and be apes themselves? Or are they, you know, um, the astronauts that we saw from the very first movie kind of take place? And I think you pointed it out of it being like a news report or something like that. It would be interesting if they want to remake sort of the classic planet of the apes, but just connected to this bigger world. Because um, yeah, I don't think anybody wants to remember the Mark Wahlberg planet of the apes movie. So this would be a really great refresher. So that's fascinating that you think that he might be one of the astronauts. I would I would definitely be open to it. I, I'm kind of hoping that that's the route that they certainly do go because I just can't imagine humans even still being around after all this time. Uh, again, I, it says, you know far away from war of the planet of the apes i don't know how much time has certainly passed but just seeing how quickly the virus took over and stuff and just where they were at when it comes to war of the planet of the apes i don't even know if humans will exist at this point in time so i think that's a big question is are they humans in this movie or are you voice casting them as apes um so i am i am fascinated by that but i, I hope you're right sort i hope that it is uh, a retelling of the planet of the original planet of the apes movie um dino knights five year right says hey man i love uh jj series and jessica jones herself uh and he says rpm getting gear for for me uh i think i really liked uh jessica jones season one uh but yeah once and, and i like the first half of jessica jones season two i think specifically once we got the reveal of it being her mother and then her suddenly 
deciding to uh, screw over all of her friends and uh, keep that going and then get mad that her friend wanted to save her at the end. I, yeah, it. I think Jessica Jones season two just suddenly like the writing went really downhill. And then mm-hmm. season three kind of got better, but not really. Uh, yeah, I, I still think those Jessica Jones season one was a really solid show, and I kind of wish they just ended it there after the first wow, season, so and then they just had her kind of you know be in Defenders, and then that'd be it. Um, Dino Knight says, uh, "When was Mark Wahlberg in the franchise?" I remember James Franco started. Uh, the first one. Um, so James Franco started the first one of the current trilogy that we just had um, earlier back in 2010 and 10s. Um, but uh, Planet of the Apes with Mark Wahlberg actually dropped back in 2001. Um, so it was a 2001 um, Planet of the Apes film. Um, check it out. Check it out if you want to, uh, if you feel like wasting a couple of hours of your life. Here's the thing. It's a bad movie. But those uh, costumes, costumes are, are yeah. freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah, the ape costumes are pretty amazing, man. Um, so, yeah, I, I did appreciate that aspect at least. Dino Knight says, uh, what if Kristen Ritter were a Power Ranger? She probably wouldn't be as popular as she is now, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but a good old Ika Darvel, I think, is like one of the few. RPM cast, I think, is probably like one of the few casts that have actually gone on to just like really build their careers up, man. I think what's funny about RPM is that amongst Power Rangers fans, it's probably like the you know favorite of all the seasons. But amongst people that know nothing about Power Rangers, I don't think I know a single person that knows what Power Rangers RPM actually is. Or yeah, or even know that the, these big actors like Rose McIver and Ika Darville even were Power Rangers at one point in exactly. time in their careers, you know? Exactly. And I think that's what did them favors is, uh, you know, when it came to, you know, no one bothered to look up uh, their their or or I guess even if they did, it actually would have paid off for them because I think they were perfect in that show. But no one bothered to look up their history in Power Rangers RPM because they're like, uh, I've never heard of RPM. (laughs) I do wonder also if being being attached to Disney might have helped them at all um in regards to you know getting an upper hand in regards to other potential series or you know i I just wonder being a part of disney certainly helped them uh in their career um but yeah man um kingdom of the planet of the apes Uh, i'm really intrigued by this and good old ika darvel will be a part of it as well let us know your levels of excitement for that in the comment section box below guys and then last but not least Stuart, i saved the best one for last some fun here as uh, we wind up getting our very first look at Super Mario. That's right. Nintendo is, in fact, releasing themselves a Super Mario animated movie um, coming in theaters April 7th next year. So certainly mark your calendars. Um, I think they had a Nintendo presentation. Uh, I think they had uh, that they were doing this past week. Uh, and one of the things they wanted to launch it off with was our first look at Super Mario. Uh, and so they released this um, poster earlier in the week. And then on Thursday, they actually dropped the trailer for us. Cool little teaser poster here to get the opportunity to see Mushroom Kingdom uh, in its finest form. Um, but uh, we got ourselves a trailer, Stuart. And I wanted to go ahead and pick your brain a little bit uh, in regards to what you thought of the trailer along with chris pratt's voice as mario uh what are some of your thoughts man i'm so glad you asked me because um my thoughts on the trailer the beginning part i was so hooked visually (laughs) i think this looks amazing like this looks like mario like straight from the game and like the added 
you know, bits of detail, you know, it doesn't take away from the cartoonish nature of Mario. It feels like Mario, uh, it feels like we're watching what Mario would look like if Nintendo really wanted to put like extra effort into their uh, cinematic cutscenes, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, God, like visually it's perfect. I love that beginning bit with uh, Jack Black as Bowser. Uh, you know, I love the voice that he brings to it because Jack Black is just such a great voice actor. I didn't even realize well. it was him. I forgot it was him. Yeah, same. Like if I didn't know it was Jack Black, I wouldn't have known that's who it was. And then uh, we get like the the scene with uh, Mario like appearing in the Mushroom Kingdom, looking around, touching the mushrooms, and I love the way I love the textures on them. The the, the textures is what gets me about this because they're there, <laughs> but they're not overdone. They're just there's a perfect amount. And then Mario's voice comes in, and uh, <laughs> not a fan. We only got a little bit. All right, so maybe when we hear more of it, uh, I might change my mind. But here's the thing, though. You know, they only give Mario, like, one line. And when making this teaser, they knew they had one line to give Mario. And it had to be a line that, that was going to hook fans, a, a line that was going to reassure fans that, you know, Chris Pratt, yes, he has a very distinct voice that doesn't sound like Mario, but we can make it work. We can make it work for the fans, right? They had one line to do that with. This was the line they chose, and I'm not a fan, you know? So uh, currently, that's the biggest thing that I'm unfortunately worried about. I just didn't, I just, I feel like they wanted to go for the name, the, the name popularity sake, rather than going for someone who actually would have been a good fit for the role. And then also a little nitpick here, not, not an actual, like, complaint, just a nitpick. Uh, personally, I think uh, Keegan-Michael Key and Charlie Day should switch roles. I think Keegan-Michael Key would have been better for Luigi, and uh, Charlie Day would have been amazing as Toad. Uh, so I think him being Luigi is kind of you know, a weird choice, uh, to my opinion, but that all being said, um, you know, even with my big complaint about kind of Chris Pratt, just not sounding like cartoony enough or not sounding enough like Mario, basically everything else this movie has going for it. I am really looking forward to it. Uh, I think this was a perfect teaser to get me excited. Yeah. The, I, I was a big fan of the teaser too. Uh, I definitely got pumped from it. I thought the humor in here was great. Uh, I love the opportunity to see Bowser. First off, yeah, visually, it looks incredible. I mean, seeing his like his castle and his ship come to this other fortress and stuff uh, with like the drips of the lava and stuff looking really great. The attack on like the, the ice world and the little penguins that come out. I love just seeing them toss the, the snowballs and they're like, we've got more ready for you. So like, what are you guys talking about, man? Like, I, I the, the humor in here was just perfect. Even seeing Toad like, don't you're gonna die with the about the eating the mushroom and stuff and he's like oh don't worry about it they wrong, wrong one i i really they definitely made me chuckle they definitely made me laugh in here so i i i am definitely set on the idea that this movie will certainly bring the humor and the visuals for sure so i was a very big fan of that um it looks incredible but yeah you know like you Stuart, you know the the chris pratt voice and i'm usually not harsh on chris chris pratt like that like I feel like lately he's he's been like America's most wanted number one, like on FBI's most wanted list. I don't know why he's getting so much hate that he's been getting as of late. I haven't kept up with Chris Pratt's life like that. But I will well, say it's it's because like he's part of this I, from what I hear. OK, so people are more than welcome to correct me if I'm wrong. But I heard it was just because he's part of this church that has uh 
you know, in general, like said some homophobic kind of things in the past. So yeah. even though Chris Pratt himself hasn't like necessarily agreed with it or said anything about it, people have been uh, upset that he's part of that church to begin with. But that's just from what I've heard. So please, if I'm wrong, let me know in the comments. Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't heard too much about it, but I, I will say this. Yeah, I have enjoyed his voice work in the past. But this one is just a little too on the nose for me. Like it, it just feels sounds too much like Chris Pratt to where like I, I, I rather have somebody that's like, oh, I, I don't even know who's voicing this particular character. Like the Jack Black stuff. At first, when I yeah. listened to it, I didn't even know that that was Jack Black as Bowser. It feels like it's Chris Pratt as Mario. Like it just feels like this is Chris Pratt in a Mario costume doing this particular role, and it kind of throws me off. Like he had, I think he's got two lines in here though. The second one when he's like jumping on the mushrooms and following Toad, it felt like he had a little bit more of an accent. You know, I was kind of hoping for the "Hey, it's a me, a Mario" at some point in time, but we didn't even get that in here. So you're right, very strategic in the dialogue and how much of his voice that we really get to hear. But when I hear it, I still just hear Chris Pratt and it just doesn't do it for me. Uh, and again, I'm usually a really big fan of Chris Pratt's work. Again, this is just one line. I'm definitely going to give it uh, certainly an opportunity once the movie drops, when I see it in its entirety. But if you're just asking me just from this brief moment in the trailer, I'm not impressed with what Chris Pratt is bringing in there. Maybe that's a little bit too harsh for like literally the one or two moments of dialogue that he has in here. But that's the only part of the trailer that honestly took me out of the trailer. Uh, everything else visually, psh, I'm here for it. So I'm really excited for it. Um, and we'll see um, how Chris Pratt does certainly overall. And there's a couple of other great characters, uh, actors that are in here. Anya Taylor-Joy, I want to see what she does as Princess Peach. I think she's going to be amazing. And I I'm okay with the casting choice for Luigi and Toad in here. I it seems like we might even get like a Luigi's Mansion in uh, a little bit in yeah, here. Yeah, I, I remember. Yeah. Um, I so was thinking I, the same thing. <laughs> so I, I do think that the voice actor could definitely bring uh, his fair share of laughs for for being the Luigi character also. So I do think overall they've got a good cast in place. It's really that Chris Pratt one that I'm starting to question now uh, after hearing this. But um, we'll, we'll see how he does for the entirety of the movie, though. But uh, first first time off, I, I'm, I'm a fan. Uh, Marcelino says Chris Pratt is attending an anti-LGBTQ church and what's worse is that James Gunn has defended him for it. I mean, you know, I feel like most aren't all churches anti-LGBTQ, though. My mom churches or I guess technically the, the because it's like a weird um, I don't know. It, I can tell you this. The way my mom preaches is definitely not LGBT uh, anti-LGBTQ. Uh, gotcha. Definitely not. You know, she. It, yeah, we, we are a very inclusive church, or at least her church is very inclusive. I mean, it does make me also wonder, like, you know, I mean, well, look, I, I will say this. Finding the church has been extremely hard for me. Uh, there are definitely some messages that I hear even going to visit churches that I'm like, ah, maybe this isn't. Uh, the, the one for me sort of thing. And I think some people are able to, you know, decipher what they support and what they don't. Um, and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm sure Chris Pratt could up and leave and go to another church if he certainly wants to. But, you know, I would say the idea and, I, and this might stroke people 
incorrectly, but like for me, right? Like I went to a Christian university, Stuart. I went to Liberty University out in Virginia for, for a year. Um, very evangelical church uh, run by Jerry Falwell, who's a big evangelical pastor. Um, there are some things there that they did that I didn't agree with, but I still considered myself a Christian and would still go to church and still attend the services and things like that. Um, so the idea of attending something, I don't necessarily mean, I don't necessarily think that that means you believe it. I do think that that eventually maybe you should up and leave to another church that probably fits you and your family better. I didn't stay at um, Liberty University past my my first year, so I certainly did make changes also. Um, but I do think people can go to a church and not necessarily 100% believe everything that that particular church stands for. But I do think it, you know, it would be nice to see Chris Pratt maybe move on to another church that is a little bit more accepting. But I'm not going to judge the man's faith based off of just just church that he goes to, unfortunately. I just think he's too much of an adult to have sort of his own views uh, on his own spirit, spiritual life. And that's just how I feel personally. But that's just. Yeah. And then going into like the not 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 being political about this or anything. Right. Going right, into right, just, right. you know, Chris Pratt as a performer, right. uh, you know. <laughs> I think that he does have a good cartoon voice. I yes. do love the idea of him doing more voice acting. And yeah, so it's just like, when I say I don't like him as Mario, that's not me saying I don't like his voice. I don't like him as a voice actor. I just don't think he was the right fit for that character. Also with like what I brought up earlier, uh, that wasn't like a complaint when it came to the whole, like I, I think Toad and Luigi should be oh, yeah. in terms of voice acting. That was just like a, uh, if I was personally in charge of the uh, voice directing, that's what I would have done. But at the same time, uh, it does look like, you know, from the couple of lines we got from both of them, it does look like they're going to have their own unique take on both the characters that's definitely gonna actually work in their favor uh, again yeah. unlike mario which is a little bit too different uh marcelino says uh chris pratt's voice isn't bad that's why we love emmett from the lego yeah. movie yeah absolutely he did a great job as emmett but it doesn't match mario at least he isn't Polly shore <laughs> i mean <laughs> um I, uh, yeah, it just doesn't match more like this. Like it's almost to the point to where, like when I hear Chris Pratt now voicing, I, all, I almost feel like all I hear is Emmett from the Lego movie. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dino, I writes, think cause that was like the first thing I saw him in. Cause like that came out before guardians, right? I believe so. Or pretty close to it. Maybe right after. I can't remember either. Uh, Stuart, um, Chris Pratt has been in tons of movies and series lately, and he's married to Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter. Yes, he is. Um, Eduardo says, I feel bad for aspiring voice actors who probably wanted to play the iconic character, but lost to the dude from Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I get the idea of wanting to bring on an A-lister or bring in a big movie star, especially when you already have those other type of stars that are doing other voices for the movie right so you definitely want it to be star studded um but yeah i get the idea of, of up and coming voice actors missing out on those opportunities i mean that's just like my issue with a lot of uh, hollywood movies in general is uh they go for kind of like the big stars and not really like the uh people who are actually like professionals when it comes to voice acting and that that yeah. would be fine some of the times if the actors themselves wanted to give like a cartoon voice to it, but a lot of times they just, you know, do their own voice to it. And it just like, 
it's not appealing because now when I hear that character, I just see the actor. The actor. It's like the whole point of voice acting is you want people to not know it's you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like why isn't Campbell Cooley in this movie? Like yeah. why, <laughs> why doesn't he have a role somewhere as a, as a, as a Mario character for sure, man, we got to bring him in. Oh my God. Yeah. He'd be, Oh my God. If he played like one of the, uh, like uh, henchmen for like, or, or one of the children for Bowser, one of Bowser's kids. Oh yeah. my God. For the next Mario movie. If they do like, uh, all the, uh, the, uh, Koopa kids, he needs to voice one of them. Yeah. Come on, Campbell Cooley. I know you can get a role in uh, super Mario too. Uh, let's make it happen. Um, but yeah, guys, let us know your thoughts when it comes to the Super Mario movie trailer. What did you guys think? We clearly loved it visually, humor-wise. Definitely has us uh, drawn into checking out this movie. But that Chris Pratt voice, man, mistakes were made. Uh, we'll, see, we'll see how this turns out, though. We'll definitely give it a shot. Again, it was just literally one or two lines. We'll see how the overall movie certainly uh, certainly handles itself. But uh, let us know your thoughts in the live chat or comment section box below. You know, it'd be funny if we end up getting like, uh, kind of like what they did with uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, how they went through the whole movie and then re <laughs> redid Sonic. It'd be funny if they do that. They go through the whole movie, but they have uh, Chris Pratt do an actual like Mario voice or they replace the voice actor. Just do it all over. <laughs> oh, it'd be expensive. God. I don't think they would do that. Uh, it'd be expensive and not to mention, I can only imagine how like, you know, it, how much that would just i know like chris pratt is a millionaire and it's like supposed to be like part of the job but at the same time i feel like i would kind of feel bad for chris pratt if that happened if like you know suddenly <laughs> like everyone hated his voice so much that they went through the whole movie to, to dub over him it's like okay that's a bit harsh <laughs> i you know i it, it look i chris pratt as mario i think was already an odd decision for me like i get it but it still felt odd when it was certainly announced um, and I guess, you know, even when we've had like the 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 director or the producer of the movie came out and was like, yeah, his voice is super unique, unlike anything you've heard from like a Mario before. I mean, you, you're right. You're definitely right. Uh, I just don't know if uh, if it was what we were expecting. I guess would it have been insulting if he did an Italian accent? Is that like is that is that looked down upon these days? Can he not pull that off or? Do we really need to get an Italian voice actor to do that? I I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, like... I, mean, I I don't think. Uh, I don't know. Are we? Are, I uh, I've never heard an Italian be offended by someone impersonating uh, their voice, but uh, maybe I'm wrong because it's always been like. I don't know. It's always been one of those voices I thought it was okay to make fun of, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Kind of like mean, with I, the uh, French accents too. I always thought it was okay to make fun of them too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was just, uh, I, I'm just interested as to why he went the route that he went. Cause yeah, it just, it just sounds too much like Chris Pratt to me personally still. But yeah. again, it was just one or two lines. Uh, we'll see how a whole thing of dialogue turns out when we actually see a trail, the further more trailers and the movie itself. So um, we won't be too, harsh critics as of yet um but yeah guys let us know your thoughts down below and with Stuart, i think you know what time it is sir it is time for live viewer questions 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 and i'm sure we got a bajillion today um so let's go ahead and dive well that's not where i wanted to go come on there we go all right let's go ahead and pull this up here 
I'm going to get to your guys' live viewer questions. So thank you for everybody that submitted some questions over. And if for some reason we can't get to them today, uh, we'll probably try and uh, review, uh, go over some of these questions for you guys tomorrow and drop another video. Um, but let's go over to our YouTube page. We're going to click on this community tab. And we're going to go down to live viewer questions. And we got 25 questions waiting for us. So we're going to go from newest to last. And let's go ahead and dive in, Stuart. Um, good old Jessica Friedman coming through today. Do you think we see more MMPR Rangers show up for the 30th anniversary? And how would you like to see the Flashes last season end? Uh, I think the... The 30th anniversary, as far as MMPR Rangers, I think that's I think that's it. I think that's going to be it. I think it's just going to be Billy, Zach, um, Rocky, and Cat. Um, I don't know if we're going to get any other ones. That, are, do you expect any other surprises? JDF, um, Amy, Joe? I, I I don't think so. But what do you think, Stuart? I think uh, we'll get uh, because in uh, Dimensions in Danger, it was uh, implied that Cat and uh, and uh tommy were together so i think maybe you'll get like uh a video call from tommy from earth uh so that way you know jdf doesn't even have to like really leave his house he can just be like what's up what a lazy ass cameo <laughs> jdf that would be like uh, that's, that's like the our our relationship with hasbro is hindered uh and so this is this is the amount of effort i'm willing to put behind this last cameo for power rangers since i'm retired i'm moving on um i don't know man i i i would like to see jdf in person if, like if he can't be there in person i just don't even want to see it man at the video call now nah, i just don't don't give me that's just insulting to me <laughs> like no See, I would love it, though, if he or Billy, I don't know, because we still don't know where the Master Morpher came from. But if either one of them were the ones to give, uh, um, sorry, I keep forgetting who the new character's uh, name is supposed Yen? to be, but Trini's daughter. Uh, yeah, if they if they were the ones who gave her the Master Morpher so she could morph into the Yellow Ranger, that'd be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. Um, and then what was her other question? Um, oh, the how, Flash's last season. How old Yeah, I, I uh, want to see him literally go through the speed force again for like the seventh time and disappear. And then we finally get another Wally West. What are, I don't know. I'm just making shit up now at this point. Um, yeah, for me personally, I, I just want to see like a, an Arrowverse finale. I just don't want it to be a flash finale. Cause mm. I think I mentioned this, like every time we answer this question, uh, we've gotten two finales already for the flash. I don't need a third. I just need an Arrowverse finale because it's been around for 10 years. It deserves to go out with a bang. Yeah. Maybe somehow get the whole justice league together would be great. Um, if not, I'm cool with just the Trinity of Arrowverse heroes. That would be awesome to kind of see as well. Um, yeah, let the last shot be like them in just their civilian clothing, just eating shawarma somewhere. Let's just do that. You can get a, a shawarma scene in Arrowverse too. Just having like, lunch together. God, that's great. You get like all the uh, Justice League actors, you know, just coming back to each shawarma together and that's how it ends. I'd be I'd be totally happy with that. Let's do it. Um Dino Knights for your rights says JDF has been online since last week of September. Um is he filming? Ooh, is he filming? Maybe anymore? that's that's possible then. Yeah. Uh what shawarma? Go watch the first Avengers movie. No, I think it's a sandwich. Isn't it a sandwich? Is a shawarma a sandwich and some sort it's of like 
Sure. It's not a sandwich specifically. It's like a, uh, a dish. Yeah. A dish. Huh? Let's see if um, shawarma is a popular Middle Eastern dish that originated in the Ottoman Empire, consisting of meat cut into thin slices. That kind of reminds me of like a gyro um, stacked in a cone like shape and toasted on a roasted on a slowly turning uh, rotisserie or spit traditionally made with lamb or mutton uh, may also be made with chicken, turkey, beef, or veal. Yeah. Looking at some of the pictures, it literally looks like, um, Oh, maybe that is that the name of the meat? Is that what it is? Shawarma? Uh, Cause it oh. looks like it's a gyro to me yeah. when they put it together. Um, so yeah, I love, I love gyros personally. Um, let's see here. What's our next question? Um, Jackson Peterson, Hancock, 2008, would have made a great trilogy. It says this movie gets panned a lot for its tonal shift, but I actually think it has a great story. Just cramming it into one movie was ill-conceived. Instead of, it could have been three movies. Superhero story of redemption. Basically, the first half of Hancock, it was uh, as it was, was more diving into his history, psychological, the last 80 years that led him to being the jaded superhero he was at the beginning, and some hints of a larger story. Losing powers, further mythology revealed, much darker movie. This would basically, excuse me, this would basically be the Empire Strikes Back of the trilogy, the gods learning to coexist, defeating some big baddie. It is a shame that we may never get a sequel anytime soon. Charlize Theron said in an interview that she's always interested in a potential sequel. Um, You know, I never, I guess when I watched Hancock, I never, me visually, I just never, or creatively, I've just never seen it as a, a trilogy or maybe expanding upon it, but um, maybe there's plenty there that I'm missing or um, that some people would be intrigued to kind of see and explored a little bit more upon. Um, how do you feel about Hancock being a one-off and do you think it had potential to be a trilogy or other films? I don't know about a trilogy or anything like that. Um, but I think like as a one-off film, it did really good. I just think it was released five years too early. Um, mm. Other than that, yeah. Like, I don't know about a trilogy though. Maybe, maybe. Interesting choice. As you said, you feel like it was um, released five years too early, like it was just ahead of the uh, big comic book um, crave. Yeah, exactly. It was a bit ahead of its time, a li- a, like uh, ahead of its time. And unfortunately, in that particular way, it, uh, you know, was probably a bad thing. Um, I don't know. I've been uh, looking at a lot of like movies that that were critically panned but are loved now. And I think it's kind of funny. I feel like it's all come down to the internet. I feel like a lot of movies get panned by a lot of people because, uh, you know, before a lot of people started voicing their opinions on movies like really commonly on the internet, mostly the voices people would listen to were the critics and no one wanted to sound dumb. So they would just automatically agree with the critics a lot of times. But now because of Twitter, because of other things, uh, so social media related other people are like being like no fuck the critics they didn't see what i saw in this movie this is what i saw and then when people look at that they go oh that's a good point i need to rewatch this movie with this new perspective and then suddenly like these movies that were originally panned uh are now becoming classics like kevin smith himself says no one remembers mall rats being a failure except for me Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, Sorry yeah. to go on a kind of rant. No, here, I think but yeah, it's it's like something I just find interesting about like the way movies are now. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think you make a great point there. As far as like it being a trilogy, I I can see it maybe have gotten a sequel. I don't just don't know if there would be enough a meat on the bone for a trilogy, but I I could definitely have potentially have seen a sequel. And again, never say never, never say never. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, we just need to wait twenty years. Um, so. Uh, 
2028, uh, we Ooh. will be getting an announcement for a Hancock 2 uh, for a returning Will Smith and a Charlize Theron. I was going to say, okay, Hancock would be the perfect movie for Will Smith to return to Hollywood with. <laughs> you know, you like, you know, you can even play out because I love it when movies do parallels with the actors playing up. Have it be like maybe the Hancock did something really stupid. He let his anger get the hold uh, hold of him and he made one dumb mistake that suddenly had a reputation and now he's trying really hard to build it back up. Oh my God! Yeah, there's dude. your sequel right yeah, there. Yeah, there's a sequel right there. So right, because yeah, Hancock was an asshole. He turned into a good guy. Maybe the past twenty years, he's had a great run as a great guy. People love him, but he he just snaps and he has this moment, uh, and he reverts back to himself. Maybe he slaps the shit out of somebody and their head flies off. Who knows? And we we're back literally to square one of him having to redeem himself. You're right, Stuart. I think it writes itself. So twenty twenty eight. Hancock 2. You heard it here first. Uh, <laughs> confirmed. No, I'm just kidding. We didn't. Um, <laughs> don't run with that, guys. Um, Doomsday. Do you think Mighty Morphin Alien Rangers was more of a ninja-themed season or an alien-themed season? Hmm. Uh, definitely more alien-themed. I would say uh, definitely ninja motif, of course. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. It's been so long since I've I've probably have only watched the Alien Rangers twice in my life when I was a kid and then revisiting it to do my binge of Power Rangers in general. Um, it was never like my favorite. Um, but so, yeah, if I had to go back and think about it, I think you're right. I still think it's uh, alien themed, but with a um, ninja motif for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's see here. Marcelino Vasquez. Last year, we talked about how people have an easier time accepting changes to comic book adaptions than novels or m manga adaptions because comics normally have different writers that write characters differently and have visual images. However, when it comes to indie comics, which are comics that have the same writers from start to finish, uh, they are in a weird limbo. Rarely do I ever hear people complain about the changes when indie comics get adapted. Um, you get examples like V for Vendetta, Invincible, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, and the first Kick-Ass movie, uh, all of which have been praised for being faithful to the original source material. But then you get examples like The Boys, Walking Dead, The Mask, Umbrella Academy, all of which have been praised for being completely different from the original source material. Why do you think that is? Well, I can tell you with The Walking Dead specifically, it's because you had Robert Kirkman working on the show, basically him being kind of the big one that pushes wanting the show to be different from the comic books, uh, especially with the ending. He did straight up say that he didn't want to tell uh, the showrunners how the comic books were going to end because he wants the showrunners to end the show their own way. He doesn't want it to parallel with the comic books. Um and so I think like just having the comic book writer himself say that he has his approval for the show being different is kind of what eases the fans uh, when it comes to the boys. Uh, okay. So I never read the boys comic books, but I can tell you from what I've heard from other people, 
it sounds like the boys doesn't necessarily really have anything to say in the comic books. It's just a fun satire of superheroes. Whereas the show, I feel like actually has something to say with mm. their satire of superheroes, not only on the superhero genre, but how like they superheroes in this are basically a huge allegory for, you know, celebrity culture and things like that. Um, and I think because there's like that new dynamic with it, uh, that's what keeps people hooked. Uh, the mask, I don't know, because uh, never read the mask comic books. Uh, I just know of the Jim Carrey movie, so yeah, I have no, no, uh, no opinion on that personally. Um, I guess for me, it, it is fascinating that all the adaptions that you speak of, whether they be true to the story or not, uh, have all been praised in in their way. Um, I think it would be really different if some of these were panned. Um, you know, I think um, the examples you use were great examples of whether it's being adapted truly or not. They've managed to find a great writing team and a great creative team to still make it work. Um but I'm sure that there are probably uh, a lot of things out there that some people would definitely complain that wasn't adapted well um, either. You know what I mean? Um, and so I think you can certainly have it both ways. I just think it just depends on who the creative team it is that you get around you that understands the source material and knows how to adapt it. Um, you know, some things do work really well. Um you know, comic books, as we've seen when it comes to Marvel, they definitely do their own sort of adaptions also. Some people like the way that they adapted. Some people wish that they were maybe a little bit closer to what they did in the comic books. Um, so I just think it just really depends on who your uh, creative mindset behind the movie is certainly going to be for the adaption. And uh, a lot of the ones that you picked um, just had some really great um, creative forces behind them, I think. Um, let's see here. Good old Michael Rhymes. Um, what do you guys think of the step up film franchise? Uh, and funny that a lot of them get mixed reviews by critics. Even the first one with, uh, Gina Dewan and uh, Jenna Dewan and uh, Channing Tatum got negative reviews. It seems to me that critics don't appreciate good dance music and incredible dancing skills, though each film of the entire franchise, um, except for the final installment, all did really great at the box office. Step Up All In, which was the very last installment of the franchise. I love that it broke brought back actors from the second and third films to unite with the cast of the fourth uh, Step Up Revolution for the grand finale um, in uh, Step Up All In. So, you know, it's funny, Michael. I love the, sec the fact that you say, you know, um, clear that you're a big fan, that we're big, you know, a big fan of Step Up film franchise. Uh, he says, it seems to me that critics don't appreciate good dance music and incredible dancing skills. I'm sure that they probably do. They probably just don't appreciate bad acting. Um, and I, and I, I do wonder if maybe the some of the step up movies are, um, you know, maybe not the strongest when it comes to performance and maybe script wise. So they're a little bit harsher. I don't even know if it has anything to do with the music and the dancing skills per se when they are critical of these type of films. but. If I could be honest, I actually really enjoy the first two um, Step Up movies. Um, the Channing Tatum one was fantastic, and I think it was his cousin, I think, or whoever was in the second one. I believe that they were – she still knew the Channing Tatum character. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, I loved it. I, was, I actually probably appreciate the second Step Up more than I do uh, the first one, but I do think that they're both – 
really great films, honestly. I, well, not great films, but good and enjoyable films. Uh, one, because I, I personally love to dance and I love great music. Um, and I, I find myself becoming a fan of musicals more and more uh, as I get older. Um, so it had a little bit of uh, everything for me. Again, not the strongest performances, but I definitely enjoyed um, the stories that they were telling uh, along with the great music and, and dancing. Man, I, I would be lying if I said I didn't recite some of those damn dances in my own home or in front of the mirror from time to time. I, I, I love both of those movies. But what about you, Stuart? Any relationship with um, the Step Up movies at all or they've just been passes for you? Uh, I've just never seen them, uh, unfortunately, but uh, hopefully, you know, someday uh, if, if someone it's a movie that I'm not really looking to see or I'm not trying to seek out. But if it ever were to come up like I'm hanging out with people and someone wants to watch a step up movie, I'm definitely uh, down to, you know, give it a watch. But uh, yeah, can't really comment not one way or another. I think they uh, look fun and they definitely have their audience. Uh, I've seen the South Park parody of step up with uh, Butters tap dancing. <laughs> Oh. That that episode is one of my favorites. <laughs> That's fantastic, man. Um, yeah, they had um, step up to the streets. Uh, I I love the act the the action sequence, the dance sequence at the end as they're dancing in the rain. I thought it was just incredibly well done. Um, I was always a big fan of the actor Adam Gary. I don't even know if he's an actor. I think he's more or less a a dancer who plays the character Moose in here, kind of a skinny, nerdy kid, uh, but he's got some great moves. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was a big fan of it. I was a big fan of it. Um, what else we got here? Adam Perea. He says, when Catherine Sutherland and Steve Cardenas eventually confirm their return for the 30th anniversary themselves, do you think they will give us small references since their time during Dimensions in Danger? I feel with Simon Bennett as a showrunner this time in an anniversary special, he might actually give us a little bit more depth to the returning Rangers. Um, perhaps Kat could name drop Tommy and JJ if she and uh, Tommy were actually married since that brief scene we saw them holding hands at the end of Dimensions in Danger. I always thought JJ was short for Jason Jr. because Tommy and Jason's brotherly relationship from MMPR and Zio. Um, so I guess kind of going back to your video phone call, Stuart, of uh, <laughs> calling Tommy... <laughs> Um, do you think that they will finally give us small references such as, uh, since their time during dimensions in danger, I guess maybe filling in the blanks or letting us know what they've been up to, uh, given what we've heard and what we've seen from uh, dino fury and what we've heard in the very recent interview with Simon Bennett. Yes, because it sounds like the biggest reason we never got that in beast morphers or in dimensions in danger to begin with, uh, it's cause like, um, Saban just straight up didn't want them to he's uh it seems like it was kind of a pure Saban decision of not going too deep into lore or anything like that just you know have them be where they're at now and don't bother explaining it so I do think now with Simon Bennett being the one fully in charge um like don't get me wrong I don't think they're they're gonna spend like 10 minutes being oh, like yeah. oh hey what have you been up to oh well we started doing that and then we're doing this but I do think you'll get smaller references here uh such as yeah maybe uh Maybe we'll hear the actual name, what JJ stands for, and it might be Jason Jr. You know, I I think that would be kind of cool if that's what they ended up doing. Yeah, I think it would be cool too. And I, I do think that we will get some references. It might just be one or two sentences here. Uh, like, again, I don't think it's going to be a 10-minute like flashback and full-on recap. But I do think that they will fill in some of the blanks for us at least. And, you know, I, I think this just goes on to continue to show 
who the true culprit for Power Rangers demise over the past couple of years has been, or at least some of the terrible yeah. decisions that have been made. And that is, in fact, uh, Saban himself, um, just the little quirks of not letting the Rangers kiss or having a, some like having a film or like a scene literally ready to go and then deciding, hey, we're not going to put that in the series anymore. Right. Really hindering that type of development, um, filling in some of the big question marks for some of our characters, storyline wise, character wise, Saban thinking it's not that important. Like, ah, nobody cares. Like, what are you talking about, bro? Like, this is why you shouldn't do anything creative as of right now. So, um, you know, look, I, I, I do think that we certainly will get something here uh how much again i think it's it's maybe one or two sentences and i think that's i think that's enough i don't think we need to waste a whole entire episode on catching up with everybody personally okay before i say this part though i gotta make sure have you uh caught up with uh dino or have you at least seen uh no how many have you how many episodes one okay never mind mind. uh let all in the non-spoiler uh in a non-spoilery way i'm gonna say this i think we might get uh, some a couple things recontextualized from Dimensions in Danger if they end up kind of going with uh, what they've been up to since then. Well, say that again. I'm sorry. I think that certain things from in Dimensions in Danger, if they end up like referencing it, I do think that certain aspects of it might be recontextualized. Oh, uh, okay, okay, interesting. Yeah. And it's all based on a certain thing that happens later in Power Rangers that I don't want to spoil for you, but it's one of the coolest and funniest things I think I've ever seen uh, them do on Power Rangers before. Uh, so let me know when you finish. Uh, I think I think it was episode 16 when it happened. So let me know when you finish okay. episode 16. I'll give you more context of what I mean. Okay, yeah, I'll definitely let you know. I'm I'm definitely going to try and catch up to it this week. It, me and the girlfriend is just so behind on so many things because uh, I do want to do um, a review for Dino Fury or at least a part two review. Uh, we did a vote, and I think mo- mo- most of the votes was just a full-on review for season two, part two, instead of the individual weekly episode. So I'm going to do it that way. And then I might just even do an overall season review for Dino Fury as a whole as well. But I, I will do my best to certainly catch up to dino fury this week um and i believe i even read simon bennett replied to somebody in regards to you know he admitted that there were only going to be 10 episodes but a lot of people kept asking how long how long how long and i think he just says like the 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 normal size or something like that or i think he just emphasizes i guess maybe what we're just used to so i'm assuming it's still going to be regular length episodes for power range was a little bit of a bummer if you ask me but um We'll see how it goes. But he, he made it sound very much like just your common 20 to 25 minute episode, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, good old Jack Daniels. How I hope Turbo would eventually be covered in Boom Studios comics. I honestly feel general havoc. Um, I honestly feel general havoc. D-Box's brother should be considered the main threat. Um, I don't see Divatox as a competent leader, whether she's written for older or younger audiences. I also think Cassie's relationship with the Phantom Ranger should be focused on. Um, I'd also love to see Dapu uh, get adapted to the comics. Um, I would want to see Divatox and Demetria sibling story f- uh, fleshed out and in an in-depth transition between the power, tra- power transfer episode is what he personally would like to see. What do you think? Ooh, I, I think the last thing that he, or not the very last thing, but like uh, specifically yeah. the Demetra and Divatox uh, thing being fleshed out, because 
if I remember correctly, definitely correct me if I'm wrong, that was still technically never confirmed, only heavily, heavily implied. Uh, so it would be cool to get backstory on that, even if they don't want to like fully adapt Turbo, if they could just like add more to the lore of Turbo, I think that'd be really cool. Uh, the biggest thing is, the biggest question I still have about Turbo, <laughs> you know, and I think it's like the biggest question every uh, Power Ranger fan has, why? What was wrong with the Zeo powers? To quote uh, Linkara, what was wrong with the Zeo powers? They were working just fine. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Um, Marcelino also says, be careful, Adam. Some of the live viewer questions have spoilers in it. I'll do my best. I mean, I feel <laughs> like I'm just, I'm handling as best as I can right now. Oh, damn it, Adam. Why did I stop doing that? I don't know why I stopped sharing the thing. I'm sorry, guys. Give me a second. All right. Um, Gabriel, what's up, Gabriel? Oh, my God. Um, I'm going to go to he's got two in here. I'm just going to go with one. Uh, Oliver's prison arc or Barry's prison arc. What did you guys think of Al, uh, Oliver Queen's prison arc in Arrow compared to Barry's in The Flash? And what would you change about both? For me, I thought Oliver had the best prison arc because he was the guy who ended up being locked up with the criminals he put in jail. While Barry's arc, he was just an ordinary guy where the meta prisoners had no idea who he was until near the episode where Team Flash helped him uh, prove his innocence by having Ralph... Uh, Dip, uh, dip, 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 Disney, Dipsy. I can't remember his damn name. Uh, disguised oh, as the Uh, I still remember screaming at my TV when Barry kept uh, refusing to tell the court that he was the Flash after Cecil uh, Thornton, who was his lawyer, tried to get him to do it, but Barry didn't want to abuse his power as the Flash to avoid prison. Um, which arc do you prefer? Uh, and would you have changed anything? It's so hard to say because, like, with the uh with the flash story arc uh it's funny i shit on se season four a lot oh i shit on season four of the flash a lot but that was actually one of the few things i think they did really really well was the whole trial scene but it goes downhill once he's like actually in prison because then it just becomes very generic and everything that you would pretty much expect kind of going forward. But I think the buildup to it, how he gets framed and then the actual court episode, I think those were all like some of my favorite moments on The Flash. Uh, that said, I prefer Oliver's because the writing for Oliver being in prison and uh, like, oh my gosh, his look too. I got to say, man, I love uh steven amell's uh look when he had like the buzzed hair and then the beard oh, growing yeah. like yeah. he just looked really badass and just sexy and i i freaking love it <laughs> uh he's someone i'd want to have as my cellmate just and i'd want him having my back pretty much if i was in prison uh so i loved it uh and i even loved uh you know the fact that oliver being kind of a good person was honestly almost his downfall when he was in prison because you know he wanted to see the good in someone who was clearly a psychopath you know even believing his story which even when when he first mentioned his story the way he was like crying about it like i shouldn't even be here i'm framed i'm like yeah you knew you're telling me the truth yeah you knew something was up <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but uh i like both but definitely i prefer arrows yeah, I, I would agree with you. For me, it was Arrow hands down. Um, it always uh, oh, and I think it was too because it it definitely had some um, some nods towards like uh, I I thought they talked about maybe doing like an Arrow adaption, um, like either to a uh, that this was either an adaption from a comic book arc that they did 
or there were talks at one point in time to do an Arrow movie and the idea of him escaping like a prison, like a maximum prison was like the the idea and the concept for that movie. And so I think they took both ideas uh, and decided to run with that and kind of um, morph that into the actual season itself. And I'm so glad that they did, man, because they I think they pulled it off uh, incredibly well, especially for where Oliver Queen was certainly at in his life in that point in time. So I thought they handled it incredibly well. That's one of my favorites for sure. Yeah, it's actually kind of funny because I would say uh, they almost had the opposite problem. I think, uh, you know, Arrow kind of that season went downhill after he got out of prison, whereas The Flash, I think like it went downhill when he was in prison. Oh, yeah. No, I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. Um, Jericho Gonzalez, um, he says theory on if Andrew Garfield were returned for an Amazing Spider-Man 3. Um, he says, well, I personally would. What I personally would do is not a third movie, but instead a streaming series. Uh, I doubt Sony would want to have two competing theatrical Spider-Man movie franchises. The show would pick up right after Peter returns to his universe and his arc would be letting go of his rage and moving on from the death of Gwen. This would lead to the reintroduction of Dane DeHaan's Green Goblin, who potentially who Peter seemingly killed several years ago after he broke out of prison. Uh, he assembles a sinister, sinister Six-like team who are more like Sinister Syndicate of, of pretty much every uh, Spider-Man villain who has hurt over the years. Peter literally has to face the demons of his past in order to make things right and redeem himself. Peter also meets uh, Mary Jane, who is in grief counseling with him. Uh, like Peter, she's been through a lot of pain, but she chooses to get through it by focusing on the positives in life, which is just the opposite of what Peter has been doing. Um, I kind of dig that concept. Um uh, he's got more here as to how he would end it, but I almost don't even want to know how you would end it, man. I almost <laughs> he says Peter defeats Harry not by killing him, um, but by taking it taking it out with him. I don't know what that means. Harry realizes how horrible the things he's done and then surround surrenders himself to the police. Peter allows himself to be happy again. And him and AMJ start dating. The final scene of the series is Spider-Man swinging triumphantly into the sunset. Um, so look. But what do you guys think uh, and any ideas? You know, like I, I remember a time, Stuart, when Sony had mentioned that like Phil, uh, Phil, was it Lord and Miller were working on a Spider-Man universe, um, whether that be movies or a television series. I do remember them having a deal with Sony to go ahead and create that type of stuff. Um, and I'm not exactly sure where they're at in the bigger scheme of things as of yet. I know that they're working hard on across the Spider-Verse uh, part one and two. Um, but I do wonder what is to come after that. You know, the notion of a Spider-Man series, you know, at first I'm just, I'm thinking to myself, man, why wouldn't they want to put Spider-Man back on the big screen, right? Like I would think financially it would make so much money and Spider-Man is just a, such a big character. He deserves a movie over a series, but I honestly wouldn't mind a Spider-Man series. I think that would actually be pretty cool. Give me a six to nine episode uh, limited series or something like that of Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. I would really like to kind of see, especially if we're going to be tapping into, say, like a Sinister Six story. I think it would definitely give you time to develop that story the way that you would like and really set up a introductory to um, Mary Jane. I kind of dig some of the concepts and ideas that uh, Jericho is bringing forth here. I don't 
think would happen, but I'm not going to say it's out of the realm of possibility when Lord and Miller have announced that they want to eventually do Spider-Man series. I just don't know if it'll see the light of day, but what do you think? Do you like the idea and the concept or you say have Spider-Man just stick to movies? Um, yeah, I think if we're doing Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, I would prefer it to become a uh, miniseries or a TV show. Uh, you know, and I think he brings up a good point too. Uh, why compete with yourselves with two different Spider-Man franchises? Have one for the big screen, one for the uh, small screen. And I think uh, continuing Andrew Garfield's story that way would be great. And you know, on top of that, I've always wanted a Spider-Man live-action series, same mm -hmm. way I've always wanted one with Batman, because there's so much story there, and you can't it's impossible unless you're marvel you can't possibly expand that story through movies because you know eventually actors are going to grow out of the role they're not going to want to do it anymore uh it's just not practical basically so i think a tv show for spider-man would be a perfect home for it personally yeah i think so too i think um i think jericho came up with a great idea so i uh, love the love the theory um jericho um alexander do you think in the 30th anniversary we will get brand new original morph sequences for billy and zach and even rocky and cat if they do actually return considering cosmic fury will be the most expensive season of power rangers we've had in a long time it would be such a disservice if we don't get these uh come on since we're already getting brand new morph sequences for cosmic fury rangers i don't see why we can't get new morph sequences for david yost and walter and now the confirmed return of Rocky and Cat. Um, which do you think Rocky and Cat will have? Uh, MMPR or Zeo? Um, oh, definitely MMPR. Yeah, I think MMPR too. Um, do you think Bulk and Skull might pop up in the 30th anniversary? I hope so. Uh, I think I they so. I, I think they will. I if maybe not the series, maybe the maybe the special. I think they'll pop back up. I think they will. Um but uh, I, as far as the original morph sequence, you know, I wouldn't mind it, but I, I, I still I still say stick with the classic morph sequence that they have. Like, I just want to see the, you know, Tyrannosaurus or whatever. And then, you know, their head inside the morpher just maybe modernized a little bit. But I'm kind of OK with that one. I don't need a really big, elaborate um sequence like we have for like dino fury where they like punch the ground and then jump in the air and then they spin in and then it comes onto their body i don't necessarily know if i need all of that um but a traditional classic morphing sequence from the mmpr team just with modernized graphics i'll take that do you think we would you like to see something more elaborate though stewart for mmpr uh not really i like you said uh just give me something simple but i would also love it to be a new morphing sequence too like uh have it like you know if they want to just recreate the original morph sequence but in high definition with what the actors look like now perfectly fine with that yeah maybe a roll call po pose would be pretty cool if they got like some stunt actors inside of them like after they do the morphing sequence and you see their head inside the morpher and the lightning and things like that yada 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 uh, maybe instead of just the thing being put onto them, maybe have them do a pose and call their name out too. Very similar to how we have our Dino Fury Rangers slashing their swords and stuff as they announce themselves. Maybe something like that would be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I'll take that. 
Um, Carter Matthews, what do you think of the new trailer for Black Panther Wakanda Forever? And how do you think it will change the MCU? I'm so excited. Who do you think could be under that mask? And how far in the movie do you want to wait until we get the on-screen reveal of the new Black Panther suit? And do you already expect the audiences to scream? Yeah, I think the audiences are going to be in uh uh, going to be in an uproar on this one in a good way. I think people are going to go bananas. But um, yeah, the new trailer for Black Panther Wakanda Forever was pretty damn impressive, man. I, we did a uh, reaction video for you guys up on the channel. If you guys want to see my reaction and first initial thoughts, um, you can definitely go ahead and check it out um, on our YouTube channel. Um, but yeah, Stuart, what did you think about the Wakanda Forever trailer that we wind up getting? Uh, I absolutely loved it. And, uh, you know, as to who it's going to be, yeah, I think Shuri is probably the uh, safest bet. And then how it'll change the MCU. Well, I think, you know, war always is what changes relationships between countries. So, like, the whole mm. thing is if Wakanda is going to war with, um, with um, I, I can't remember what, because they're not calling it Atlantis, they're calling it something else, uh, and I completely forgot. Uh, but if they go to war with them, then relationships with other countries are definitely going to change. You know, we know from She-Hulk currently we're in a good, like America's in a good relationship with Wakanda, but that could all change with this movie. So yeah, yeah it'll be interesting to see. You're absolutely right. Yeah. They also um, released some brand new images um, this past week. Also, as you get to see Umbaka there, looks like he's getting ready for battle. Also, um, we've got um, the queen along with the Koye certainly talking here. Good old Angela Bassett back once again. Uh, and then uh, seeing a Koye and Shuri in style in here. I'm loving those big sunglasses and just the, the shoulder pads on her suit, man. Okoye is just incredible. And then we finally got our, our first visual of the new, um um black panther suit um yeah i'm very much under the impression that it's shuri if i did have anybody else that i would recommend it would probably be okoye but i i do think that they are leaning on um shuri to go ahead and be the one if you will uh, but i i love the trailer like for me uh, I really love getting an opportunity to see Namor involved and then really focus on just the battle between sort of like these two kingdoms. You know, the idea that Wakanda finds themselves in a very weak position right now, no longer having T'Challa, um, clearly having, I don't want to say like open their borders to other people, but clearly being more open about their technology and stuff. And so now that people have seen Wakanda for who it is or, or who they are and they don't have their protector anymore, you know, the idea of Namor getting involved or maybe the world in general to try and um, take their resources or overthrow them or really uh, try to acquire some levels of power over Wakanda. Uh, it's going to be pretty interesting to kind of see both of these forces uh, going toe-to-toe -to -toe and get an opportunity to see a little bit more of Namor in here. Like, just seeing him float with the wings, I was like, oh my god, I can't believe like they're they're really pulling this off, man. And just his his um agility, just kind of going back and forth in battle, like moving around missiles and laser fire and stuff, just really blew me away. And even getting the opportunity to see in the trailer, there's a shot of Namor coming straight up to like the palace window. It looks like you can see his reflection in the window about to like crash it through, even like flooding Wakanda a little bit. It looks like uh, it looks like it's going to be pretty intense and massive. Uh, and I can't wait to see what the implications are going to be just from like a political scale uh, in regards to where the levels 
of power now go after this movie when it comes to the MCU because the MCU is vastly different uh, after Endgame than what it was certainly before. So I do think this will have some monumental effects on the MCU in general, for sure. I think uh, also, man, I, I'm actually like kind of like looking at more of what they could be doing with this movie. And it's like if they want to, they could get really controversial with this movie if they wanted to kind of relate it to uh, real world politics, especially, especially like if we're going like early uh, 2000s, you know, where it's like, oh, uh, you know, we don't actually have a reason to go to war with Wakanda at the moment, but we have really bad evidence that they may have been involved with something that they had nothing to do with. So we'll use that as an excuse to mm. uh, start a war with them so we can get, you know, their resources, like type of a thing. I don't know if that would be kind of considered dated or if that would be like too edgy for Marvel, but that's like an option that they can have totally it hap take. It happens all yeah. the time, man. It happens all yeah. the time. Other countries <laughs> invading for other people's resources or finding reasons or excuses yep. to go in there. It's something that we deal with in this world on a uh, all the time. So, um, yeah, it would be interesting to see how they tackle that. Um, Carlo Bernardo, he says, this week uh, was the 20th anniversary of Forever Red. Can't believe that it's still the best anniversary special of Power Rangers history to this day. While the end battle was a bit uh, sore with uh, Cole being able to to destroy Serpent Terra by using a motorcycle, which was a compromise due to budget constraints. The entire anniversary special itself was incredible. Uh, my question to end this off is, what do you hope the 30th anniversary does better on par with Forever Red, considering this might be the anniversary we've been waiting for since then uh, with David Yost, Walter Jones, and the rest potentially reuniting uh, Mighty Morphin team? I, I do think that this will probably be the, the better, I don't want to say the better crossover, but it it'll be up there with um, Forever Red as like the best. I, I think, uh, I'm hoping that, in time we'll be able to go back and say forever red and this particular event was the best crossover that we we've ever had i i do think um we might be on track for that but again we haven't seen anything and for me forever red is still takes the cake with ease with ease by mm -hmm. the way um but uh, what do you think i think um if they want to make it better than forever red it has to be longer it has to be like an hour long well not like 60 minutes but you know at least 40 minutes like long so we can actually get some really good uh interactions with the uh rangers amongst themselves um that's what they need to do if they want it to be better if they want it to be as good on par they got to know how to utilize their time forever red being able to yes. utilize that 20 minutes the way they did is so like i don't think i would have been able to write a better <laughs> 22 minute uh episode you know if i had to fit in lines for all 10 of those rangers uh while also somehow not confusing people who haven't seen the past 10 seasons you know so uh yeah like it's it's going to be a challenge for them for sure especially if they don't have that 40 minutes but i think if they have that 40 minutes then they definitely have a big advantage over forever red yeah who wrote uh forever red do you recall I don't know. I should look that up. I want to say it was Amit Ba Mick, the guy who was the showrunner for that season. Uh, but uh, I'll double check that right now. Yeah, because one of the things I always loved about Forever Red, and we'll talk about it a little bit since it is his 20th anniversary. You know, I always love the ability, like you said, the idea of only having 20 something minutes and yet including all these Rangers. And I think it, it helped to their benefit that they literally pulled Cole sort of out of his story and just thrusted him into like the middle middle of a story. It wasn't the case of 
hey, Cole, we need your help because we need to come up with a game plan on how to take care of this stuff. No, this was like, hey, we've got the game plan already. We've recruited people and you're just one of our recruits and we need your help sort of thing. And so he gets thrusted down and you're I think it also helps that Power Rangers did such a great job of having connective tissues um, with all these seasons and people having already grown up with these characters that we sort of already knew who majority of all these people were. So we didn't necessarily even need to take the time out of our day to even like remind people. It was just the idea of, hey, you guys know all these characters extremely well already. Let's take this newbie, thrust them into the middle of an adventure that's already planned out and just go bananas from there. And they and they and they did it. And they were able to manage to give great nods to each individual rangers, give them some opportunities to just see their personalities and their interaction and their chemistry and why they're a family and a team. Um, and yet gave us some amazing like action sequences and just incredible story, man. I, it's like you said, how they did that in such a small amount of time, uh, has really like avoided everybody else that's attempted to do it. And I feel like they just haven't been able to capture that same sort of, um, same sort of magic. But I, I do think that, um, we might have the potential here to be on par, if not better. I'm going to say on par just because, Forever Red to me is just almost damn near perfect in that sense that I don't even know if anything can be better than that. But I'm pretty sure Simon Bennett and their crew will certainly try. I don't think they're going to go into it with the intention of we got to make this better than Forever Red. But I do think that they're going to go out of their way to try and make this as great as they possibly can. Um, yeah, so Amit Bamik and Susie, I'm probably going to butcher her last name, so I I apologize. Susie, uh Shimoyama, Shimoyama, uh, yeah, uh, were the two writers for uh, this particular right. episode. Get them back. I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> I uh, did, I did jokingly, uh, like, uh, on Twitter say, uh, uh, I can't remember what the context was, but I know it was like in the like, I was commenting on one of uh, Amit's things, and I was like, see, this is why they need you back, uh, writing for Power Rangers. And he just replied with a laugh emoji saying, <laughs> no thanks. Oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least he knows what he wants um yeah <laughs> uh and then shout out to Luis for coming through it says hope to get cavill soups in black adam shazam 2 flash man of tomorrow justice league 2 and 3 damn he just went just put him in every dc movie from this point on let's just, let's be just the uh tony stark of the dc <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> i don't know why he is it you know so i don't know why he, he should is be it. yeah he's superman <laughs> yeah him and him and bruce man should be making cameos left and right um i don't know if he's gonna be in all those barry but i i, I love the enthusiasm man let's certainly have him back um abba say twitter fans and hasbro oh man let's get into this one he says what do you think of fans on twitter as of recent complaining that hasbro has no idea if cosmic fury will be the last traditional season of power rangers uh, so what do you think of fans on twitter as of recent complaining that pow that hasbro has no idea if cosmic fury will be the last traditional season of power rangers to me cosmic fury right now seems like it will be the final traditional season i mean why would hasbro tell you everything they're working on um should be grateful that we're even getting a 30th anniversary season in general uh and being very expensive with everything being 95 percent all new original footage it seems like the toxic fans on twitter always attacking hasbro ever since they acquired the franchise and their infamous milking of MMPR and 
being not that great with the very last Hasbro Fan First Friday. They should be at least be kissing Hasbro's ass for even bringing back David Yost and Walter Jones back at all. We still have the Jonathan Entwistle reboot in the works, so it's not like Hasbro has completely forgotten about the future of Power Rangers. Um, and, you know, I would agree. I mean, he says, I bet those same people are still complaining about Hasbro and how Cosmic Fury won't be adapting all of Q-Ranger except for the Mega megazord footage uh yeah i'm sure there's always going to be people complaining unfortunately i mean it's twitter one it's not a real place two it is a place where the, it's the most negativity in the world so um people are always going to complain unfortunately um but i'm very much under the impression that this will be sort of the last traditional season of power rangers um I do believe, and look, I, I do I do want to clarify something here, Stuart, because I am fascinated to get your take on this. You know, while Jonathan Entwistle is creating his own reboot universe here, again, Hasbro has mentioned the idea of not only movies, but adult series, um, um, animation, and kids programming to it. Um, I've always kind of been under the impression of kids programming being um, very much kind of like what we're getting with the Power Ranger formula, probably more so now with Cosmic Fury than anything else. Um, but I always assumed it would be like 100% original. And now there's a part of me that is kind of open to the idea or curious if Cosmic Fury is also a, um, a leaping point to maybe just going forward with Super Sentai footage for Zord Battles and creating everything else original. Uh, where do you sit with that in regards to Hasbro's upcoming kids programming? Do you think that we are going to be moving away from the traditional seasons of Power Rangers and this is going to be all original? Or do you think there's some element of maybe we'll at least keep the Zord battles for the kids programming, you know, not fully adapting what Sentai is doing, but at least taking the Zord footage like Don Brothers Zord footage, for instance, and say, hey, we're going to use the Don Brothers Zord footage for Jonathan and Whistle's kids programming of Power Rangers, but the rest of it will be all original. Do you think that's a route that they might go or do you or do you think we're really going to get away from the traditional seasons of Power Rangers and literally do everything 100 percent original? Um, I think it's going to just depend on how Cosmic Fury does. I think I don't think Hasbro wants to end traditional Power Ranger seasons per se. I mean, I guess it depends on what we mean by traditional, but I think they also want to make sure they're making money off their product. And so I mm -hmm. think. Uh, it's really going to depend on Cosmic Fury's success. If people love Cosmic Fury, if they tune in for it, then yeah, I think that's a route that Hasbro will continue to go down. I think we'll continue to get uh, Zord footage with original suits. And I think that would be, again, I, I brought this up before. I think that'd be a win for both Sentai and Power Rangers. Sentai could be as weird as they want to be uh, with their Super Sentai and it doesn't have to affect uh, Power Rangers at all because we're just because you know Power Rangers will just use its own original suits and its own original fight scenes. The only thing they need to borrow from are the Zord footage, are the Zord battles, which um, you know, given that Super Sentai tends to go on for forty to fifty episodes, whereas you know, again, going by if they go the Cosmic Fury route of things it'll probably be less episodes a season. It means they can be more selective of which Zord battles they use, and therefore, like. You know, I feel like 
there it might even be less expensive than it would have been for you know all the footage that they were originally paying for because now it's like they're no longer going to be paying for the entire series as a whole they're just paying for select clips from toei and therefore it might actually save them a lot more money in the long run yeah, no, I definitely get what you mean there for sure. And I do think the idea of leaving traditional Power Rangers behind also means – I think it's also how we view what that means. And I think that's also the idea of like not connected so much to Power Rangers from the past. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's more the tradition – Power Rangers not um, being traditional Power Rangers I think is – more the route that they're kind of referring to that there's probably not going to be references to past seasons or past teams because this is literally a reboot and a reimagining so as far as like traditional power rangers that we have now that's in the bigger encompassing multiverse and whatever you know all the different universes and teams and things like that all of that will certainly have sort of gone away and i do think the kids programming will end up being Uh, all original team all original stories yada 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 through the eyes and the vision of what jonathan entwistle certainly has in mind i I would be interested to see like how they do the zord battles if they are going to be original footage whether that be all for jonathan entwistle's main stuff like the movie and his main series i do expect to be 100 percent original zord footage i am kind of curious if they wouldn't mind skipping or saving some money a little bit on the kids' programming by doing the Super Sentai Zord footage, but still making everything else original. But when they say they're they're leaving behind their traditional Power Rangers, I do think that means the formula in which they used to do Power Rangers is going bye-bye, uh, and the connective tissues to the past 30 years of Power Rangers, I think, is going bye-bye as well in that regards. But um, we'll see. We'll see if there's any footage that's utilized at all. Um, I think like for me, what I kind of hope is that if they're going to keep the kids programming going and it's going to be like, um, you know, even if it's 100 percent original footage, but it is like kind of filmed in a similar manner to the original Power Rangers. I do kind of hope they keep it in that main, uh, you know, Power Rangers universe. And then they just let Jonathan Entwistle's like animated stuff and his, uh, you know, more adult like or not adult, but you know what I mean? Like older audience, older oriented uh, Power Rangers, let that play off in his own uh, different universe. You know what I mean? That way we can get like, we can still have our, you know, the universe we all know and love, but also enjoy something new at the same time. I get you. I get you. We'll see how they turn. We'll see how it turns out. I do wonder if those, these are all big decisions that they're still making behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, um, And they haven't been ready to announce it as of yet, but yeah, I mean, Hasbro is very much spoiling us right now. I think um, the idea that they are having not only a 30th anniversary season, but also a special in the works and bringing back some of these characters. I, I would like to think that this should uh, stop some fans from worrying about the oh they don't care about power rangers it's not a priority for them um and just you know just realize that things are coming down the pipeline they are certainly working on things at their pace not necessarily ours you know what i mean so it's yeah. um, patience is a virtue guys and we'll we'll get more information as it comes and the last thing i'll say about it is that if you know if you really do want cosmic or, you know, them to continue the traditional power Rangers, you know, franchise, you know, again, when cosmic fury comes out, get your friends to watch it, you know, tell people about this, make sure people know about it. And if it's good, if the writers did their job of making it, you know, everything they could make it within that 10 episodes, uh, you know, 
that'll determine whether or not it gets re- it, we we can continue that traditional Power Rangers franchise going forward. You know, um, businesses aren't going to make uh, you know Hasbro isn't going to make this decision now because they don't know how Cosmic Fury is going to do. This is something very new for Power Rangers as a whole. Uh, so if they were to commit to, oh yeah, we're really excited for Cosmic Fury, so now we're going to make sure we have a new uh, Power Ranger season for like at least the next five years, and then you know Cosmic Fury ends up being like a flop. Well, they screwed themselves now because now they just signed a five-year contract and now they're going to have like a loss in profit for the next five years. And that's what they're going to try to avoid. So, you know, like you were saying, patience, guys. Let's let's see how Cosmic Fury does and then we can go from there, you know? So you do think that they might keep it traditionally if it does well? And what do you if mean by that? Well. Like You mean like staying within that world of the past 30 years? Exactly. Within that world, maybe no longer using stock footage, but I do think that we could get like that. We could stay in that world. And then who knows? Maybe we'll even focus on like one team for a while. Maybe one of the things that people love about Cosmic Fury is, hey, we've had this team for three seasons and people have stuck around. Let's try with this new team. Let's try seeing how many seasons we can get out of them before we like rotate out. Maybe it could be like uh, the original MMPR where it's like rather than rotating out the entire team, we could just rotate characters as a t- at a time as actors kind of want to move on and do other things. Like I would love to see the movie introduce us to a brand new team, but also build lore of maybe other Rangers that might be out there or other Rangers from the past kind of hinted or referred to as, and then maybe that's where the kids programming kind of comes in. Maybe it's a story about, maybe it's a story about that other particular team that was referenced from the movie or something like that, or the lore that was kind of that laid the the groundwork for us. But I do think it, I I do think that this universe is going to be its own thing. I, I, I would expect maybe even the kids programming not to connect to the over overall franchise as we know it currently but i do think maybe they can utilize like the success of cosmic fury to say like you know if we keep this formula of how we did it for netflix maybe that might be um the success that we that we certainly need so i'm under the impression that they are not connecting back to this 30 years of power rangers at all even if it is kids programming but you you want them to yeah i yeah personally i kind of want them to i get Uh, you yeah only with the kids programming stuff. Jonathan and Whistle with his stuff, you know, I'm I'm open to whatever ideas he has. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, just wanted to clarify on that. Um, but, uh, guys, I think that's probably going to be it for our live viewer questions. Um, Stuart, do you have any availability this week to record more questions with me? Uh, if you're available tomorrow, I think I should be uh, I should be able to. Okay, let's try and get together tomorrow night, kind of like what we did for last week to finish off some of these questions. Um, so we go ahead and post these uh, additional questions for you guys on Tuesday. So beginning from Nicole Robertson up into good old Blossom, um, you guys will be the last questions that we answer. And we'll um, me and Stuart will get together and go ahead and uh, discuss those tomorrow and have them up for you guys on tuesday so look out for those remaining live viewer questions as we uh break the three hour mark here so time to wrap up but um great show today Stuart. thank you very much man for certainly being here today guys um we got a bunch of other content certainly headed your guys's way this week i'm sure we'll probably do something for well werewolf by night for you guys uh we got our rings of power review set to drop um sometime tomorrow for you guys house of the dragon reviews upcoming uh 
uh, from Indy probably tomorrow as well. Uh, and then we've got um, She-Hulk, I think, has got one last episode this week along with Andor. we got a bunch of content dropping for you guys. Stargirl, a bunch of content dropping for you guys uh, each and every week here. So if you haven't subscribed to the channel yet, hit that subscribe button. Hit that bell notification also so that when we do drop brand new videos, you will be notified. Um, Stuart, if people want to reach out to you on social media, where can they find you, sir? You guys can keep up with me on, on Twitter at TurboStew01 and then also on Instagram as well. Uh, and if you guys want to find us on social media, right up here at the top, A Plus Opinions, very active over on our Facebook page, along with Instagram, as well as Twitter for you guys. If you haven't joined our Discord forum community, please go ahead and do so. There is a link in the description box below. We talk a plethora of different topics uh, around here, uh, from A Plus Hero Report topics to wrestling, video games, sports, whatever the case may be. There's a topic for us to discuss there if you want to communicate with us outside of the the YouTube channel. Um, but other than that, guys, that's going to do it for us here. We certainly will be back later on next weekend. Um, so certainly join us every Sunday live at 11 a.m. Central Time, and we'll see you then. So in the meantime, do us a big favor. As always, guys, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and keep it A+. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye.